It's time for Twit. This Week in Tech, what a great show is ahead. Greg Farrow from the Packet Pushers Network is here. Ian Thompson from the Register. Of course, we're going to talk about Intel. Seems like they're really messing it up. Why we'll never get good internet in the United States unless we fight for it. And how using fitness trackers can reveal top secret information. It's all coming up next on Twit. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for This Week in Tech is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Twit. This Week in Tech, episode 651, recorded Sunday, January 28th, 2018. Occupy Fiber. This Week in Tech is brought to you by Stamps.com. Start using your time more effectively at Stamps.com. Buy and print real U.S. postage the instant you need it right from your desk. For our special offer, go to Stamps.com, click the microphone, and enter Twit. And by Audible. Audible makes getting more books in your life easy. Sign up for the Gold Plus One plan to get two free books and a 30-day free trial at Audible.com slash Twit2. And by WordPress. Make WordPress.com your online home. Plans start at just $4 a month. Go to WordPress.com slash twit and get 15% off your brand new website today. And by 23andMe.com. Start the year by learning more about your DNA. 23andMe's Health Plus Ancestry Kit is a personalized tool for understanding about how genes can influence your health. Go to 23andMe.com slash twit and get $30 off each Health Plus Ancestry Kit now through January 31st. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show where we cover the week's tech news. Today we decided, because we have two flamethrowers in-house, that we really didn't need a third. Huh? Elon Musk is in the house. Now, actually, that's the question of the week. Joining us from the Packet Pushers Net, Mr. Greg Farrell, wonderful to have you. Hey, Last it's time good to be back. We had you on Skype because you had injured yourself. Is yes, you, yes. In a bar brawl, I believe. Uh, yeah. The real story is I was walking home after a, an evening of refreshment. <laughs> I must have misplaced my foot. Wrong, <laughs> and uh, sadly... Fell, he's yeah. no funny, fell right over. Yeah, and, uh, but no, I'm, I'm healed. Uh, nice. The doctors, it was all, all very amusing. You know, when you... One of these stories about data, I went to the hospital. My wife forced me to go to the hospital this time. I had previously damaged my ankle a couple of years back and thought I'd just sit at home and wait till it heals, thinking it was just sprained. And they took an x-ray and they said, it's broken. And I was like, oh, God, I didn't, I didn't think I had damaged it. You know, but it turns out I'd actually broken it two years ago because <laughs> it wasn't on record as being broken. It used to be broken. It used to be broken. Once uh, they, broken, always broken. So I spent two weeks with a plaster cast. That you didn't need? No, because I hadn't broken my ankle. I just sprained it. They but didn't look at the... This is like people who I repost blog posts. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, David Bowie just died. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, dude, look at the date. Well, the thing is that the, fi the file didn't have anything about having a broken ankle. So if they had have had in the file, you broke your ankle two years ago, they probably would have gone into uh, sprain, go home. So they saw it in the x-ray. They saw it on the x-ray. Couldn't they tell it was not fresh? Well, it takes an orthopedic surgeon to... <laughs> was it the plumber reading your x-ray? <laughs> on the plus side, you know, you get quality seating on the trains with, uh, with plaster cast on. That's Ian Thompson. He's from theregister.co.uk. And you might notice we have uh, all three primary accents of the English uh, uh, Commonwealth. Uh, we're lacking Canuck. Canuck. 
And, and a Kiwi. And a Kiwi. You're right. We yeah. don't have you. We're not even. <sighs> I also want to welcome the Canberra Grammar School in studio today, about 30 students strong. Well, nice yeah. to have you fellas. Uh, we get a lot of uh, groups from uh, Australia come up, mm-hmm. uh, and they do they tour Silicon Valley. They've already mm-hmm. been to Facebook. They've been to Seattle and Microsoft. Oh, wow. Uh, so, And they apparently got inside access at Facebook, which yeah. explains why uh, this morning I woke up to a fake account. That's <laughs> <laughs> these guys. That's these guys. So nice to have you. Wonderful Excellent. to have you in studio. Um, and actually, now that you mention it, the story of the week, what the hell is Elon Musk making a flamethrower for the boring company for? <laughs> because you can. What is that? Uh, I don't... Oh, I, come on. It's, it's brilliant marketing. <laughs> it's, well, it's no, they're useless, they're useless in a zombie apocalypse. You know, everyone's saying, well, maybe the boring company's gone down and opened that latter gate to hell. Flamethrowers are useless against zombies, particularly fast ones. You need a good axe, you know, it's, or a cricket bat. Should I it? It's got to be illegal, right? No, it's, no, perfectly legal. It's legal in most states. Not yeah. It's not state. legal here. There's a guy in Minnesota who was... My, my producer's making up laws quickly. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not legal here. Not. Well, no, there was a guy in Minnesota who, who broadcast himself on social media using one of these things to clear the snow off his, yes, front, off his front drive. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know, you know. Now, why is Elon saying, obviously, a flamethrower is a super terrible idea, definitely don't buy one, and yet... They are apparently offering pre-orders. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, unless you like fun is his subsequent yeah. tweet. He says these should be legal. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms allows throwers with flames shorter than 10 feet. <laughs> so Not really a thrower. To me, More it's, of an advanced cigarette lighter. Than yeah. <laughs> to me, it's like, I don't you know. you got a light, yeah. Putting a lightsaber <laughs> with two sabers on either side. It's just, yeah. it's just asking mm. for trouble. I mean, you've got to promote your company one way or the other. And well, it worked. I mean, yeah. Did you see that there were some corresponding articles this week about the pointlessness mm. of the boring company, this idea of running a tunnel from one side to the other, mm. just big enough so that you can put a car in it. And fundamentally, it restricts Why the is use that wrong? of it for the elite. Oh, yeah. You can't move. Again, what's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what Elon says. Why would He says, I don't like public transit. You know, it, Why yeah. would you want to be in a, a, because a it's train with really, a lot of other people? Yes. Because it's really efficient at moving large numbers of people from yes. point A to yes. point B. Which the boring company is not because no. it's... Well, it's, if you can only you can have a boring how bus. Much you're have to charge for one car because yeah, you dug a hole in their Because LA. you dug a hole for that distance, and at the end of the day, it's actually not going to solve the transport problem hmm. for the society as a whole, because it's only going to move a few hundred people at a time. Yeah, at most, like at any given interval, you're only going to have a few hundred cars inside the tunnel. You know, so I, I do have to admire him though. Because he is launching his roadster into They've, yeah, the date has been set, February sixth. Of course, that may well slip, and we, it is only four years late. So you know, it's this is the largest uh, commercial rocket ever made. It's as big as what the Apollo rockets, the Falcon it's Heavy, a slightly smaller, slightly slightly, so slightly thinner, and about the same height. Yeah. Mm. And in order to test a rocket, you have to give it a payload. He says, "Well, we could give it a bunch of cement bricks, but why not? Why aren't they just putting speculative payloads in there?" Mm. I can't understand why you would put a like you're talking about shifting forty ton. I think it's a forty ton payload or something like that. Yeah. Well, um, that's not the, the roadster. So why not just take a bunch of fraction. charity projects up there and or, or educational projects for people who uh, well, aren't able to afford? A, they're not a, putting them in orbit, or are they? What well, are they he's with? he's flinging it on a a supposed. I mean, it will go around Mars at one point, yes. but in probably about a thousand years down the line. I think with regards, it would be great if you know people could hitch a free ride up there. But I think what they're worried about is the insurance because. Mm. 
it's if you if it does go kaboom, those will still be counted on their actuarial record ah, as spaceships destroyed one of these during a launch. So yeah. even though you're sending up payloads that have zero value. Yeah. Yeah. But this whole Are thing. Are you being facetious? I no, no, tell. no. The insurance market is is enormously important to SpaceX because they've got so little actuarial tables to work from. They're getting killed on the premiums. Yes. So they want every safe launch they can possibly get. And Elon himself has said it's pucker factor with this one. It, it could well either blow up on the la- on the launch pad or blow up. Hopefully, because it's so big. Yeah, and complicated. There's 27 rocket motors in this thing, all and they all have to fire at milliseconds. Within, like, within milliseconds of each well, time. even that, even tighter. I would imagine if you're putting if you're that just much slightly thrust, slightly off. Yeah, <laughs> you go. Slightly, there goes a Tesla down to Florida. Yeah, it's it's very difficult boom. to have a minor fault in rocketry. It's either you know the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. It either or, works or yeah. No, that's a um, well taken point. Well, but it is taken. Uh, just the, the video of that thing for doing the test firing this week was I'm like. Trying to, I'm trying to. Uh, wow. Run the video. I don't. I think I. Yeah. I got so aggressively punishing uh, auto start video on web pages. I think I can't run any video <laughs> at all. That happens. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> if you're going to be like that, then, you know? it's like it's just sitting there spinning. But yeah, you can see it on uh, Twitter on the at SpaceX uh, Twitter feed. Yeah, they got it in the YouTube channel, the SpaceX YouTube channel as well. It's a pretty amazing site. So, um, I'm, I, you know, I uh, yes, Elon's nuts. <laughs> but he's a good kind of nuts. It, it's not. It's not a crazy kind of nuts like Zuckerberg or or yeah. Kim Jong Il. Yeah, something yeah. Like it's like it's yeah. a, it's a it's um. I wouldn't I wouldn't say healthy nuts. <laughs> no, I mean the boring company thing really is nuts. But a lot of his stuff. I mean, PayPal worked out. SpaceX is working out. Tesla's working out. You know, you can well, deal with a I certain amount. Go that of nuts. far. Tesla's got some pretty big problems. Like its ability. Yeah. It's running into literally the inability to scale up production. Mm. Here you go. Here's the. Th- we're going to bring the thunder. This is the Falcon Heavy. This is a static test, so the engines are firing, but nobody's. They're not going anywhere. They're testing that it's actually. Oh my god! Oh, it gets better. Check oh this out. Oh my god! You now I'm told if you're there, if you're, and by the way, there means within a mile. Yes. Uh, no closer. The Earth moves. So this what we've is... just done there is validated that it's actually a rocket and not a bomb. <laughs> like, not a firecracker. That's, so, big, that's what static a, firing is. It's, it's actually a, yeah. it's a yeah. big step forward. Yeah. Will it's, it go boom or will yeah. it go whoosh? You know? And bear in mind, how do they hold it in place, though? It's a lot of lift. It's not a, a lot of thrust. Yeah. Well, it's because when you actually fire it off, for the first couple of seconds, the inertia of the thing is so heavy because it's that's fully it fueled so up that it'll moves. just, like, you, you can move it you within parameters. Mm. Okay. So they just did a limited burst. And that sound you heard, that's even with them piling water into the base to try and wow. deaden, deaden the sound yeah. as well, so that's wow. where you get a lot of the steam from. February 6th, everybody. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so tempted to did fly you, out did you, also, did you also admire your taxes in action there? We paid for this. I thought it was private. The, the jet, the rocket's private, but all of the supporting infrastructure. Oh, that's isn't. Cape Canaveral. Uh, well, it's leased by it's, SpaceX from NASA. They're paying rent. Yeah, but yeah. it's all NASA. It was all built oh, yeah. with taxes. Oh. Hey, hey, does anybody mind <laughs> paying taxes for NASA? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Well, I want to pay more. Please take my money. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the uh, t- uh, Elon makes a big point about how much support he gets from NASA to make mm. these rockets work. And NASA how, saved the company basically with the space. It wouldn't be the, possible if he had to build the actual launch pads and mm. and get the permissions in the space. Like finding that much real estate, yeah. and then uh, like, did you see? There was a YouTube video that NASA published of testing the fire suppression system. Mm. They pump out four hundred and fifty thousand gallons of water per second. It's most amazing. It's on YouTube. So basically, all the good. 
the Tesla company is doing to save the environment is being completely offset by the SpaceX. <laughs> yeah. I've often thought that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of, a, it's a zero sum. Yeah. Uh, anyway, right. I, you know, I don't know why I led with that, except that I didn't, I saw this flamethrower all week and I thought, is this a joke? Is this serious? Yeah. No, they'd start, it, it, it's a genius bit of marketing. And I can't see any, uh, any reason why anybody would want one. Uh, well, well I want Well, actually, you know, there is that kind of, there's that thing, it's the kind of thing it would be great to have for like a few minutes and play around with, but if you just had it around the house, you'd find yourself, yeah. oh, there's a raccoon under the house, I'll just go and burn it out. The next thing you know, I'm living in a tent, <laughs> you know. It's just like... So this is the water flow test. Holy where cow. Where they shoot out just this vast... Is that also on the, uh, on the uh, just SpaceX Just do a YouTube? NASA water flow test on YouTube. Bring that up. It's, it's pretty amazing to watch. Wow. Um, I like. We all love space. Geeks mm. love space stuff, yep. right? You know. I watch every launch. I, I actually put it in my calendar, and I'll stop what I'm doing to watch. You guys are a little younger than me, but I grew up yeah. watching Walter Cronkite. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the and the. In oh my so god. So this is. So, yeah. Oh my god. What is that about? Why are they pouring so much water? So they're testing the. Fi that's a fire suppression. Oh, that's system. the fire suppression. Yeah. So really, you think water is the best thing? What uh, about some fancy chemical? Foam. Well, uh, you yeah, you, uh, there's also sound suppression on the rocket engines, but yeah, it's yes. Wow, here's uh, the sound. You want to see the sound suppression system? <laughs> it's it's curiously similar. This is the Ares rocket, which 480, is four hundred and eighty thousand gallons of water at high speeds from a holding tank. Half a million gallons, just. <laughs> it makes my jacuzzi look like a complete piece. Of <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is not nearly as spectacular. <laughs> Uh, but it's like, a, oh, well, here it comes, here it comes. There's like a little, uh, so this is like, they spray that during the launch to, to deaden the sound? It deadens the sound and it keeps everything relatively I, cool. Did, they, yeah. Is this something new that they do now? No, they did this with Sutton. With Sutton really? Rockets. I don't even yeah. remember this. Yeah. Huh. It would probably make the pad reusable. Wasn't mm. paying enough attention to Walter Cronkite. Otherwise you'd end up melting down the pad. Uh, no, they're spraying the water suppression. <laughs> Keep the engines cool. Yep. The best part is... Uh, Isn't it funny? You set a rocket on fire and then you pour water onto it. <laughs> yeah. Crazy notion. Science. Who knew? <clears throat> uh, I, I, think, I, I do think that Tesla is having some troubles. We're seeing the Tesla cars really not being manufactured in the volume set. You know, as soon as somebody says that, then yep. the uh, Tesla army comes in and says, oh, you're just yep. you know, shorting the stock. You're a naysayer. Yep. They're doing fine. <laughs> They're able to... It's hard to say. I mean, the burn rate is very high. Well, the, They're spending it, a lot of money. I don't so, understand why they laid off so many of the manufacturing people off uh, earlier in the month. That's not that a good doesn't, That doesn't make, make an awful lot of sense, but you're right. But it's have, all about whether or not they can ramp up the production. They need to be production. producing like a thousand vehicles a day. Mm. At some point, and I'm that's sure really they will. only something that Ford and you know the, the big motor companies that we yeah. have now. Uh, let's just, let's assume for a minute that the big companies are actually smart enough to change their ways. Mm. <laughs> but generally, big assumption, yeah. Big <laughs> assumption, but you know, let's go with that. Um, it is also pretty amazing to be able to produce a thousand cars a day. You need an awful lot of metal. You need an awful lot of parts. They all need mm -hmm. to be in the right place, and you know you just need vast amounts of capital to set up that production capability, that production engine. And Tesla doesn't really have a lot of money, seriously. Mm. Like he doesn't have a lot of spare cash lying around to to build more factories and buy new robots and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's it's reasonable to ask can he actually scale up the production of the teslas and his roadsters yeah. and the threes that he's talking about and he may actually stumble on the most prosaic and tedious of things uh, production manufacturing yeah well they've got this factory out in china now which they're starting to ramp up but even so there's a you know there are 
is it four hundred thousand people who are still who are waiting for their Model S, and mm. sooner or later they're going to ask for their money back. I hate. I have. I'm waiting. I'll wait as long as you need it. Yeah. Mm. I got a thousand dollars on on Elon Musk. I'm, I'm pushing it all in. I'm all in. <laughs> uh, is this of concern for investors only? Frankly, right? I mean. Well, yeah, because the Tesla is valued, what, 50 times, 75 times? Yeah. Mm. And it's but got it, fundamentally no earnings. It's burning cash at a phenomenal rate. If you bought Tesla stock, you probably kind of knew you were... You're probably going to take a haircut. Yeah. I mean, mm. at some point, yeah. they're going to acknowledge the fact that ramping up production's harder than Hard. expected. It's tough. Well, how many times have you heard that in the last... And yet, I still feel like a lot of the naysayers come from Detroit and, mm. and come from people shorting the stock. Uh, admittedly, there are a lot of mm. cheerleaders like me who, I mean, I put my money where my mouth is. I yeah. bought a Model X. I have a down payment on a Model 3 uh, who want Elon to succeed because he's doing something really important. And look, if it weren't for Tesla, would we be seeing every manufacturer? There's the rub. And this is where the here? real value has are been. You, or is that governmental push? No, no. We will, uh, uh, virtually all car manufacturers have announced that within five years, they'll be producing only electric cars. Right. Yeah. So now, that's not entirely Tesla, but that's... that's no, there'll be petrol it's, cars. It's a, well, all new economics. models... Well, the, the, let's be clear here. All new models will be electric. You'll yep. still be able to buy petrol or diesel cars in five years' time, probably just petrol, uh, because <laughs> the existing models have a sales Can cycle. Can I buy gas of, cars? Yeah. Well, the, inter that's an <laughs> in interesting In some discussion. countries, you won't be able to. You won't be able to. Norway says by 2020, Holland, no uh, the Netherlands as well. Yes. Yeah. The interesting part is that ha if you look at the, the distribution mechanism around petrol and oil, like these flammable materials, mm. it's actually incredibly difficult. The, the whole market for petrol stations collapses if yeah. petrol consumption reduces by just a third. Well, and mm. also gasoline is very uh, toxic. And yes. in fact, we have, there are places in Petaluma that will never be built because they were gas stations and the gas tanks right. down there and cannot leaked. be economically, uh, mm. the soil yeah. can't be remediated economically. They will never be used. That's not a good... Meanwhile, yeah. we have already mm. uh, a pretty good electric distribution system, admittedly not designed for fueling cars, but the electricity is yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Well, I think I think you're going to see... What we're seeing now is an emergence of a point, point mode of electricity where you're most likely the electricity production is going to become from solar cells or wind localized so imagine mm. a roadhouse on the side of the road yeah and it's going to have like 50 to 100 charging points the, in it. the superchargers i think are already solar powered. many of them are yeah. because why would you want to run the extra electricity there Precisely. why not just put a bunch of batteries yep. and a bunch of solar panels out yep. there and then you can just generate the electricity Frankly, that's how i charge my car at home we have solar panels and well, yeah. It's not direct because it's goes to it's, it's a buyback. It's, it's and all the that, way it's moving, and I mean, and okay, initially, yeah, you got this. You got the supercharger stations where you can drive in, spend twenty minutes, have a you know a, a light meal while your car's charging or something like that. And we're back to a, a true to a very traditional model. But when you look at how this is going to disrupt so many industries in terms of you know chain, making that shift, and also what we're going to do with the infrastructure that's left at the end of the day, because as you rightly point out. Getting rid of an old petrol station is incredibly expensive because you've got to haul the tanks out of the ground, get all the, you know, the gubbins out from underneath them. It's um, it's going to be a really interesting shift. Throw autonomous cars into the mix, and um, mm. so I just I just like the idea of actually generating your own electricity and then putting it in cars. Yeah, it on feels site, good. Like local production, it feels good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because you just feel and, like you're doing something positive. And on now the motorway, like those big motorway fuel petrol stations, and you know, top they're they they got the space yeah. to lob up yeah. as many solar panels as you yeah. want, and, yeah. you know, why not? Meanwhile, uh, our, the United States has just put a 30% tariff on solar panels from, <laughs> from China. I know. Uh, which may cost as many as 40,000 jobs in the U.S. because it turns out 
There's a market for solar panels in the United States, Who and a lot of people it, installing you know? them. Yeah. Do we not make solar panels here? We used to, and then the Chinese and Germans flooded the market out with cheap imports. Mm. So um, there maybe is a reason to be protectionist. Uh, well, yes and no, but the problem is that the U.S. doesn't have the capacity to actually we can't deal with it. So what they've it's done, too late. yeah, they yeah. should have done it while Solyndra, like those, were before the right. the solar companies went under. Indeed, mm. I mean that would have been the logical thing to do. But but you know what the U.S. government's like; it's being you know, penny smart and dollar stupid. Mm. Right. But um, yeah, I mean there isn't enough. This is why they built you know, various protection. It wasn't. You know, the tax thing is coming in, but only after you bought a certain number of solar panels. So they're trying to roll it back a little bit that way. But yes, a profoundly stupid move in a year of yes. profoundly stupid moves on behalf of the yeah, US government. They, they, so we saw three or four years ago, we saw a couple of the big solar manufacturing plants go under. They were originally financed with government money, and mm. then they couldn't float in the market because the Chinese had actually come out with cheap and flooded it with under, under cost. Yeah. And the Chinese government, it was thought at that time that the Chinese government had priced the panels to kill the companies in the U.S. Mm -hmm. so that they could then well, ship they succeeded, the panels Well, they succeeded because 80% of the panels in the United States uh, last year mm. installed in the United States were Now, you could also make the case that you actually don't overseas. want to make them here because it's an incredibly toxic process. It's incredibly dirty and incredibly toxic and requires vast amounts of energy um, that you may or may not have. Hmm. It's, it's complicated. If you wanted to preserve the solar panel industry in the United States, you probably should have acted sooner. Yes. Yeah. yeah like, Basically. Yeah. Three or two or three. Yeah. You're closing the Or invested the more money into basic researching research to sort of technologically leapfrog the, China, yeah. re, mm -hmm. leapfrog the yeah. Chinese. But, you know, they know they, they you know, China isn't, isn't dumb. They know exactly where the market's going, and the market's going solar and renewables. I think uh, it would be smarter to look at storage systems. How are you going to store the excess energy? And it would be well. Australia's got a great example of that with the Tesla battery. That's mm -hmm. you know, Powerwall. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been trying well, to no, buy no, a they, Powerwall. No, no, no. They built a a huge. I think it's a hundred gigawatt mm -hmm. battery farm out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's in Adelaide. Yeah, yeah to balance out the power. Because if a coal station goes down, then right. large numbers of people are suffering brownouts. This is the power with so the problem with solar power is it's it's tied to the sun. It's tied yeah. to sunny weather. And well, so what, what you what need is, to smooth out mm -hmm. demand. So what Tesla did was said, we will build you this battery plant to smooth out demand, and if we don't do it in 100 days, you get it free. And they came in just... just for But this thing has made a million in the last month by allowing energy trading by the company that holds yep. it. So you I think know. if you're going to evaluate Tesla uh, and Elon's strategy, you have to evaluate as a whole, not just the Model 3, yep. but there is a mm. much larger... And he's been very forthright about this, much larger yep. plan afoot. Well, the, Obviously, he, back could, to your, he could trip himself up by a failure... Yep. Yeah. With, how with many? Car. How much resources can you? You know, right. how many? How many? I think people invest in him feel like they're investing in a larger plan rather than just yeah, the every, Model well, Three. In theory, for the amount of money that's being thrown around, it has to be some it's, sort of mm. wisdom or Same some thing, sort. It's of, like Uber. Yeah. Right. You're not investing in, in a ride sharing, a, a ride hailing company. No. That isn't. There's no way Uber makes its money back. It's losing yeah. faster than Tesla. Yes. It's losing more money than any company's lost in the history of losing money. Well, they're yep. fundamentally, at this point in time, they're still subsidizing the taxi rides. By 40%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So at some point, Uber will, prices will increase substantially and demand will drop and cars is will... This nut, is this nut time? Is this crazy time that, this, that the investors are willing to support companies with kind of long-term, almost crazy think... goals because there's such a big win at the end of that rainbow 
Uh, well, the Uber win is ultimately what we were talking about in the car yeah. on the way up, which is autonomous vehicles. Autonomous yeah. vehicles. The end of ownership, car ownership entirely. Yeah, you'll yeah. have a, a transportation ownership. module will arrive yeah. and you'll get yeah. in and it will take you where you wish to go. Nobody will own cars. It's a little bullish on the future. You see here that mm-hmm. the new CEO, Dara Kashrawasa Hawaii, is saying, and I'm so sorry, Dara, but that's the best I can do, mm-hmm. is saying that uh, we'll have self-driving cars in service. In a year and a half. That seems... They might... uh, Is it level four, level five autonomy? I mean, is it really... Is there a steering wheel? Is there... Even even if they did get to that point, they wouldn't be allowed to run them on the roads because it's not the technology that's holding this back now. It's It's the legal framework, the insurance, and, you know... Although you'd think insurance would be all down. Well, yeah, but on the other hand, they've still... I mean, these cars are safer than human Oh, they are safer, but then you've got the liability if when they crash... Because these cars will crash. Yeah. This, it, it's just it's you'll the, have to. Yeah, you no, know, actually, the uh, in the UK, the insurance companies are now offering a twenty percent discount if you drive a Tesla Model Three, and you activate the auto driving feature on the highway. A year and a half because ago, those when cars I are that much more reliable. A year and a half yeah. ago, when I got my Model X, mm. uh, the insurance company said, "Oh, you're not going to use the autopilot, are you?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I am actually, I have a huge deductible yep. because it's quite the opposite. Yes. They didn't trust it. Now they're coming around. I hope so. They're coming around. They're actually saying that. It's true it, though. Actuarial tables should tell you. Well, as no, we the, more the, more. the National Traffic Safety Board and their report into the that guy that got decapped in the in the Tesla by when it missed the trailer said that once well, you it didn't miss on, the trailer, that was the problem. It actually well, <laughs> hit the trailer. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> The cameras missed the gun. I thought the car I was didn't the see the trailer. The car <laughs> yeah. hit the trailer, yeah. and the guy lost his head. But they were saying yeah. where anti-collision is turned on, that cuts accidents by forty percent. Yeah, yep. that's actually the key. It's not driving down the highway with your hands off the wheel. It's the car seeing that you're going to run into a car, and yes. re- and it's happened to me many times now. Mm. Saying sometimes spuriously, sometimes false positives, but saying you're. You're closing on that car really fast, yes. and it pretensions the seatbelt. It starts the brakes, and it alerts me, and that I I am sure has saved many a rear end collision. Superhuman, we mm. call that. That's superhuman technology. Because it's so much faster than I would be. It just has to be better than human to be superhuman. Yeah, yeah right? which is not much. It's a low bar. No, especially when you're driving and you've had thirty years of driving a car and you're not expecting something to happen and yeah. you're tired and your but, tummy's you know you just had dinner and you're feeling a bit sleepy. Yeah, I mean the the case the lawyers are really looking for is when somebody was in a self driving car, they saw it was a, they saw there was a crash coming and it swerved and hit somebody else, and there where does the liability live? And and they're still working out the answers. You know, it's the mm. old. Is it better to kill one person or to kill five? Well, the question is responsibility. Human, yeah. human, simple human psychology says if somebody drove into me and killed me, that's their fault. Mm. If it's a machine, who do I blame? There's and at some point, society, were, as we see increasing automation everywhere, what about automated trains? What about automated buses? What yeah. about when we get to fully automated sewage systems like or electricity systems, all of our electricity systems today are all manually done. Mm-hmm. There's literally operators. This is where the battery pack thing comes in is that – Because the battery pack can respond in milliseconds, it actually is responding faster than the grid operators can flip the switches, switches, right? Normally what would happen is there'd actually be a blackout and if they were unlucky and weren't able to catch it in time, it would actually blow all the transformers up the line. Right. And then the power couldn't come down the main east-west corridor. And so what's happening now is the battery packs come up, hold the power stable, enough time for the um, organisers to bring up more power and then the battery pack retires. Right. Now, financially, that battery pack is... Super, um, super financially viable because that's peak power. 
Mm. So that's $10,000 a kilowatt. That's the maximum rate because you, that's the power at the critical time and then the battery pack pulls back out. Now, normally what you would do is the guys in the power control fire up, they press the button for the gas turbine generators. Right. So, so they're all these spot. And yeah. there's a whole business, financial business, around building gas turbines all over the country for peak power. And they only run for about a week out of every quarter. Mm. But when they run, they run for like $6,000 a kilowatt hour right through the peak burst when, you know, the coal a power station's blowing up or a transformer goes in a main cap and they fire up at the peak and that's what makes gas power quite right. profitable for many people. And these companies are like uh, hedge funds just putting power stations on that's spec. That's funny. Right? So these battery packs are able to come in with power much quicker, much faster and fill the void and then retire out of the grid when the main, when the slower acting systems come back up. So it's much more complicated. I did some, I did some computers at a power generator mm a power distribution company learned just enough to be stupid. <laughs> I feel like I can open my mouth. Don't quote me on any of that, but that's It's it. so interesting because obviously all of these solutions are better. They're superhuman. You named, nailed it. Yeah. 10% better than human is superhuman. Mm -hmm. But the psychology of it is what's really holding it back mm. is we don't want to try... You know, nowadays, I keep saying this and people say, no, no, it's not true, but I think it is true. I've been told it's true. When you're flying in a commercial airplane, much of the time, a human's not flying. It's sometimes oh, yeah. even when it's landing. First five minutes human. and first five and last minutes are generally when the humans yeah. have the most. But even in landing, it. sometimes it will self-land just mm -hmm. to you know keep up on the on the stuff. It is a problem because we do have a situation now where some pilots just aren't getting enough stick time. So when things go wrong, they don't know what to do. Well, it's, they know what not, to do. They just haven't had much practice at doing it. Yeah, yeah. And you know it's. Autonomous planes make a certain amount of sense in the same way that autonomous cars do. But I think people are going to be more willing to get behind the wheel of an autonomous car that they're in rather than three, persuading 300 people to get into an entirely autonomous plane and hope that, every, you know, blue screen of death doesn't actually mean that. Mm. Um, you know, you wrote an article uh, about a motorcycle and a self-driving Oh, the vehicle. GM lawsuit. Yes, this was... Um, I liked, actually, this must be you that put the, uh, the comment in here. About the GM lawsuit. Oh. That must, that must have been your headline. Biker uh, yes. nerfed by Robo Chevy in San Francisco now lobs Sioux Ball at GM. <laughs> is nerf a thing in Australia as well? As in bikers get nerfed when they get knocked off by do, the cars? Do you know what that means, uh, nerfed? You can imagine, though, I bet. Somewhere. Yeah. They're no. going, I don't know what no. he's talking about. But yeah, I think this, this was just an example of... This bye, is bye, Mr. Biker guy. Drove my Chevy <laughs> to the lefty, but the Chevy was a ride. <laughs> you okay, are right. really on fire, Ian Thompson. Wait, what can I say? I mean, that—that that, I, I will say my editor came up with the subhead, and that was just a pure work of genius. <laughs> uh, it was just... A motorcyclist suing GM after he was knocked off of his motorbike by a self-driving vehicle, alleging negligence, demanding damages. Photographer Oscar Nielsen said he was hit by a Chevy Bolt. It had a human driver at the wheel, but the... Driver was testing GM's hands-free self-driving technology. Testing. Testing it. Well, this, I think this was it very... moved into the... Wait, let me... Hmm. See, do you, I'm, you no, no, wrote no, 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 go for this. it. It moved into the left lane, I'm trying to imagine this, of a three-lane, one-way road. So it's they have these middle lanes for mm -hmm. turning for either direction. While the photographer continued on in the center lane, it moved into the left lane. The bolt then veered right, side-swiping Nilsson and knocking him down. This is the claim, of course, of, yeah. the, of, the, of, the, of the plaintiff. Um, GM says, you shouldn't have tried to pass the bolt 
as it was changing lanes. Clearly, the car didn't see the bike or it wouldn't have gone into that lane. Well, this, this is the thing, yeah, we're quite curious about this because California is unique amongst American driving markets in that it is the only state which explicitly allows lane splitting. That's when you're on a bike and you go down the, down the white line between the lanes rather than actually in the center of each lane. So it's actually legal over here. It drives um, me nuts, by the way. Really? Yeah. It's a I'm really a f- efficient way for get, to get mm-hmm. bikes through, but... I understand that, but I'm always afraid I'm going to hit one by because they're coming up and I don't see them and maybe I just inch to the left a yeah. little bit or whatever. I just makes me very nervous. Oh, yeah, I mean... It should I, only be if there's if the traffic is really stopped. Yes, exactly. The problem is, uh, and I don't know what the law says, but people lane split even when traffic's running at full speed. That does freak me out an awful yeah. lot. Because if you're sitting in traffic and you're not moving, then you can check that's your different. mirrors on a regular yeah, basis that's and you expect yeah. it. But if you're, yeah. if you're bombing along at 40, uh, sort of 50 miles an hour and somebody's lane splitting at 60, then you're just... What speed were these uh, vehicles this, going? But Do this was it. They were only going 17 miles an hour when it happened. Yeah. So what I think happened was that the software wasn't configured to deal with somebody lane splitting probably not and just not. okay there's nobody in that lane the fact they're on the white line i'm just going to ignore and then i'll cut back in but and- lawsuit aside injuries aside if there were mm. any uh mm. this is what self-driving car people tell me every accident is a good thing because we're now we more. now know about lane splitting yep and also i mean i felt a big um, we did this because obviously because it's an autonomous car but if you look at the number of motorcycle deaths and motorcycle injuries and car injuries and the rest of it or the number of times, you know, there was a, the story with the, um, there was an accident with a Tesla earlier at the start of this week where it had autopilot on, ran into the back of a fire truck at 65 miles an hour. Now, the driver got out and walked away. Now, that's a testament to a really well-built car. Um, but, you know, cars have accidents all the time. And the fact they're autonomous or the you know, self-driving and the rest of it, mm-hmm. we're going to, you know, we will eventually get over the point which is like, well, it's just a car accident. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. So just to come back to something you said earlier about Uber and saying that they were going to have self-driving cars on the road by... 2018, 2019? No, I guess it would be 2019. 2019. It might just be a very limited trial. We saw Mm. something come up this week Mm -hmm. where there was a sealed community that was doing self-driving cars. There are constrained situations where a self-driving car is completely reasonable. I imagine Mm. that Uber is out there right now trying to sign up self you know, smaller communities that right. would allow them on to get, so they can have a headline about, you know, our vehicles as self-driving, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because you've got to justify a $60 billion valuation with lies and marketing. Will, <laughs> will we see in our lifetime the end of private car ownership? And yes. We will. It'll be done by 2030. Um, I would say it would take slightly longer, but I think the costs of driving your own car, particularly if it's a petrol car on the road, will reduce it to i think you know the standard you know petrol car that you and i have will be the equivalent of the classic car yeah it won't be because of cars it'll be because there's no mechanics and there's no petrol stations <laughs> right if you think about a t- your electric vehicle it has no drivetrain no gearbox no differential no motor there's no maintenance. Yeah. it doesn't need oil i bring it, it in every year need... just so they can look at it and, and polish it up yeah, yeah. they don't yeah. even need disc brake changes like a current car does because they regenerate electricity so very, the disc you they use brakes brakes very little yeah they last yeah. three years yeah. right so yeah. if if you suddenly see a, a substantial reduction in cars you're going to see a substantial reduction in mechanic shops that mm. repair these things you're going to see a corresponding now all of a sudden instead of there being a petrol station at the end of the street you're going to spend 20 minutes getting to a petrol station right and petrol and the inconvenience of that starts to feed a negative cycle and i think and there's a whole bunch of other things too the insurance is going to be if you're self-driving a petrol-powered car mm-hmm. which is flammable mm-hmm. it's fundamentally a bomb right 
compared to an electric car. In a sense, though, any vehicle with enough energy to propel a several ton yep. mass at a speed of 60 plus miles has enough energy stored in it to be a bomb. That's so the true. insurance, what my point is that the insurance cost of a petrol powered vehicle is going to be substantially more yeah. than, and not just because it's actually a dangerous thing, it's led to bomb, it's got, you know, a tank full of petrol, but also because manual driving is going to be so much less reliable than. Yeah then mm. at least semi-autonomous autonomous. We can rationally know that. And, and as I said, we still I have that psychological burden. I think burden, enough you know, people like physically driving their own car. Well, that's that that's what, that I used to ask the Ford CEO, former Ford CEO, Alan Mulally, who I knew at the time was working on self-driving cars, but continually denied mm. it. And later mm. we found out they were. Said people like to drive. Yeah. We don't see a market because people like to drive. No, the I mean, former GM. But of, we won't get to drive The soon. former CEO of uh General Motors is on the record as saying that there's no chance that self-driving cars will be permitted on the road by 2030. That's Zero chance. Mm. The regulatory because issue is a big issue. The regulatory, yeah. it's just That's unsafe. That's the key right? thing going to be And it's not even going also, to be... like jumping off of high cliffs into small amounts of water, but that doesn't mean we let them do it. Actually, they don't really like it. No, I was just going to say we do let them do it, but I mean, it's just like... It's going to be a very interesting thing. I wanted to come back to one other point that I made a note. You talked about Powerwall and why your Powerwall hasn't come here. Yeah, where is my Powerwall? Well, I found out, I was listening to, uh, I did some research with Bloomberg New Energy. There's a Bloomberg New Energy group in London. They talk about all of this stuff. It turns out that all of the car makers expected the batteries to last three years. Uh -oh. And then they would pull the batteries out and they would... And the, the idea that's was... That would be the power wall. That would be the power wall. Used right? Tesla batteries. Yeah, they'd be, they wouldn't be good enough uh, I'm actually drive. driving on a power wall right now. Yes. It just has four wheels. Exactly. And some people even use their Teslas. You can put them with through an a inverter. You can, yeah. uh, you and, can, and, a, and an interchange system and so forth. You but can do turns the same out, with the Prius with a, a bit of yeah. the mod I'm going to actually do that because I don't think I'm going to see my power wall. And now you're yeah. telling me why. Yeah. They the, don't have the batteries. The, well, no, the batteries are lasting 10 years. They're now predicted yeah. to last 10 years. So the original idea, remember when we talked about electric cars and it was always like, oh, we're going to have to be replacing the batteries. It's going to be like your remote control. You know, it's going to be terrible. Nobody wants to replace their batteries every three years. Turns out the batteries that they were building three years ago are going to last 10 years. Mm. Is it analogous to wear leveling on an SSD that we're just learning how to charge them in a way that they don't de get damaged as fast? I think they predicted that in the wild, the lithium... Because the, 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 the chambers would degrade. Yeah. And, you know, the charge and discharge yeah. and, you know, who knows, maybe people just aren't, maybe the algorithms that they used to charge them from three years ago to where they are now right. are much more sophisticated. I mean, look at your iPhone or your Android. It's so much more sophisticated about power management. Right. Look at the recent... We're getting better at it. Yeah. You know, the iPhone can decide whether yeah. to go for speed or, or length. You know, yeah. when you recharge a battery, you can have a fast charge and then, a, you know, now you have the fast charge until you hit 80% then the slow charge and so on and so forth. You um, see why I want a power wall. I have 30 solar cells on my roof. If mm. it could yeah. charge the power wall on the wall mm. on the way to... The electric There's company. Just no, mm. the, the I would have to worry the, about outages. The economics about Renault had the same thing. So you'll find yeah. Renault with their they have a, an electric car, and the others all were, had Powerwall solutions. Yes. They were bringing. To, they had marketing. No. They'd been out there. Hey, yeah. they're not getting the. There's no batteries coming back no out of the cars batteries. as they had paid. Also, they're trying to cycle. They're trying to cycle up the Nevada Gigafactory as fast as they can. But that's, that's another place into, where they're having difficulty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, and we're going to take a break. But I want to talk about uh, when we come back. One of the Businesses Uber wants to get into and probably will get into, it already is in a way as Uber Eats, is the idea of delivering. You've got all these drivers and all these cars yeah. out there. Maybe they're autonomous. Maybe they don't have drivers, but they're going around. There are other businesses. There's some very interesting businesses. Steve Yegi, who was an uh, engineer at Google, recently quit after 13 years mm -hmm. at Google, said there's not enough innovation going on at Google. Went to a Southeast Asian company called Grab, which is a food delivery company. He says, but this is so much more than that. And it's the same kind of promise that Uber has that this 
We are the new economy is fascinating, mm. and it is. Mm. It does feel like it's coming at us uh, like a fast moving train. Twenty thirty, I can I can handle it, but mm. but there's other changes coming. We'll talk about that, and also uh, if you're a convenience store clerk, why you may want to start preparing your resume. <laughs> first, a word from stamps.com. Talk about disintermediation. Why go to the post office? I love the post office. I like hanging out there. But frankly, if you're a business and you do mailing, you should be printing your own U.S. postage from your computer, not a postage meter, and your printer, no special ink. You could, you could be doing everything you do at the post office right at your desk. Buy and print postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail. The mail carrier still comes and picks it up. In fact, they even, you know, you can even say, I request a pickup. Uh, you also save money because you get discounts you can't get at the post office. You never have to worry about having the right postage. I, I still get packages from people with extra stamps on them. You know, it's just I don't want to send a postage due. Or worse, I do occasionally get a postage due package from companies. And I, I think that's a bad impression, really. To get stamps.com. You can create your account in minutes. There's no equipment to lease. There's no long-term commitment. You though actually, we actually have a great package for you. If you go to stamps.com, click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, we will get you a digital scale, USB scale, so you always have exactly the right way. You always have exactly the right postage, which you print yourself. You can actually print it on a label for a package. You could print it on an envelope if you're sending bills or brochures. Uh, you can. It'll help you decide the right class of mail. And look what else you get: fifty-five dollars in free postage. You can use that over the first few months of your account. You get a, a, a supplies package worth five dollars. Has to cover the postage and handling of five bucks for the scale, and you get a four week trial. This is a hundred ten dollar offer, free. All you got to do is go to stamps dot com. Stop going to the post office. Do it all at your desk. Makes you more efficient. Makes you more professional looking. You know what? You could still go and, and visit the post office every once in a while. I have a post office box. I go. I say hi to everybody. Oh, bless. I bless. like them. I actually yeah. I like them. So I go and I say hi, but I don't buy stamps. Stamps.com. Click the microphone. Use the offer code TWIT for that $110 no. bonus offer. Did you guys read Steve Yeggy's uh, Medium Post? Maybe I am. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, so here's a guy who's I been at Google. I can't feeling he had a point. You know? Yeah. And, okay. But, okay. He... This was an epic piece of bridge burning, considering how, yes. how what, what he tried to do the first, when he, how he nearly got fired the first time. But um, well, wait a minute, wait a minute! I didn't hear that part. How did he get fired? The almost get fired the first time. Uh, I thought I recognized the, the name. Yeah, when we when we he left, um, he posted when he first joined. He posted something online about how all these people were idiots and you know the oh, bureaucracy dear. and that sort of thing. And there was like, are they going to fire him? Are they not going to fire him? And they didn't fire him. And then now he actually has left. And, and still called him. Yeah. He's just basically napalmed the bridge behind him. <laughs> no, he was, you know, I think now I understand because there's a paragraph where he says, I love people at Google. They're super smart and world class and always humble. Mm. <laughs> but the company strategy is a mess. So now I understand why he wrote that paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> this was, he had learned his uh, lesson. He says, when a company is as dramatically successful as Google has been, the organization, and I think this is absolutely true of any organization, can become afflicted with a sense of invincibility and almost manifest destiny, which leads to tragic outcomes. Complacency, mm -hmm. not invented here syndrome, loss of touch with customers, poor strategic decision-making it's the curse of the industry. It is. Googlers know this is happening. They're as frustrated by it as you are. 
but their leadership is failing them. And so, I mean, we've seen Microsoft do this. On. We've seen Apple do this. All, we're seeing Amazon inevitable. doing it right now. Every big company's like this. They're yeah. all stupid. Well, no matter which big company, whether it's General Motors or it's a business you know, cycle too, right? I mean, you, know, you have a great Intel. success. Look at Apple with the iPhone. Yep, that in a way clobbers any hope of future innovation. Yeah, because you you're can't, not, because you're extracting revenue from the success you've got. You're busy extracting every penny out of this thing. That's right. That's the, that's the rub, and that's what kills you in the end. But the point is that any big company is a tragedy of the commons. Hmm. It automatically becomes boring and tedious because the only right. way to keep a 1,000 programmers in line is to put 250 executives in charge, yeah. oh, making geez. sure that they're all pointed in the same direction instead of running off and you know, on harebrained ideas. Yeah. I mean, he, all I read there is somebody whining about big companies being boring. Well, yeah, yeah it's... Right? To me, that yes, and it was all obvious. Uh, although it's interesting to hear about Google, because for one thing, Google has always tried not to do this. They've been very aware of this. I've not like they didn't do know the same this. thing with Facebook. I've seen yeah. the same thing with Yahoo employees. Oh, the company's really boring. That must we have been a while ago, right? <laughs> I've worked in enterprise IT for thirty years. How uh, I survived twenty-five years in the dumbest yeah. area of IT ever, and that's I could have written that for yeah. you any time over the last twenty years. You know. But you, mm. you run your own business. Now. Which is a smart thing to do. Yeah. He's gone. Now see, I'm unhappy about thought, myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the thing I thought was interesting was actually not the indictment of Google, although that's the headline, mm. um, but why he went to this Southeast Asian company called Grab, which is basically uh, the, the Uber, perhaps, of Southeast right. Asia. It's a ride hailing. But he says it's so much more than that. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I work for a fun startup. I've well, okay, I could throw this out. I just think that what, what he's talking about, the future uh, is interesting. For instance, he says once you have the Grab app on your phone, because Southeast Asia is basically a cash economy, there's a huge opportunity, as happened in Africa with M-Pesa, yep, yep. to become a payments platform. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I think this is maybe this is the way new companies kind of think of the synergies of what they're doing and what Uber is thinking about food delivery, package yep. delivery. Um, that's what the opportunity, of course, is in th Southeast Asia. He says restaurants are probably dead. A lot of he says, you know, food yeah. trucks were the next thing, and then they're starting to die because people are actually building commercial kitchens. That don't have customers. But they're building to the them door. in containers. Yeah, yeah. in parking lots. And, it's, it's, and it's, a bike yeah. drives up, or a car drives up, picks up the food, and drives it to you. Yeah, that's right. It's a restaurant with no tables. Yes, but with no atmosphere. With no. Well, your your home is the atmosphere, and there's no you know central. If you go to a restaurant, there's no experience. Well, if you go to a restaurant that that is run by a central chef who you yeah. is known and the it's a performance. You know, yeah. it's an art. It's it's that, but. Honestly, Ruth Reichel, the famous uh, New York Times food critic for years, said that great restaurants are theater more than anything else. Yeah. Mm. Which you, of course it's an experience. You you mm. walk in the door. There's a performance. Yeah, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's a theater. Yeah. It's theater. It's you know, there's tables it's more and SpongeBob chairs, you know. than uh, oh, Hamlet. Certainly, but... what Taco Bell are calling food, I would call. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just... so you know this this story about setting up containers. Um, there was a, I read a story this week about a family who had. Um, literally uh, been set up a food truck and worked out that the food truck game was over and they'd moved to a container kitchen, mm. which is a, a, an industrial building in some nearby area to a city, and they were now just doing via delivery services. Yeah. And that was the new game for them. Uh, but I do, you know, I think that people who want to opine about restaurants being an experience <laughs> that everybody wants to have the experience. Well, it's a very expensive experience. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's just like saying everybody should drive a Ferrari yeah. because it's an experience, <laughs> right? Or, you know. What it makes me sad is that people aren't cooking, though. 
Well, no, this is it. This I mean, replaces not only replaces restaurants, replaces cooking. I know. At home, I, right? Why just, haven't we got any decent automation in the home? Why is home automation such an abysmal failure? Why do we not have, um, you know, a fridge and an expert is a th- and a machine that just cooks decent food out of raw ingredients? Yeah. Tea, because it's incredibly difficult Hot. to do. I well, mean, yeah, but it's what a market. There's some oh, vast, yeah. like every but house. Guys, let's but, start but, a company. Well, no, no. <laughs> we get a billion dollars. Just zero. We'll get a just zero. We'll, we'll start and say we're making a juicer, but really. Yeah. First step on a road no, automation. CES was full of this rubbish this was year. It? You had Automated the you had the, the the robot clothes folder, yeah. which, yeah, which was going to emerge every most... January. It's <laughs> <laughs> never stupid. made it to the market. How fast? <laughs> Is like, that well, still not available? Oh no, it's 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 coming next year. They yeah. jacked up the price. <laughs> And to use it, you've got to peg the clothes in a specific way onto the robot that takes just as much time as folding up your the, own. Is this the foldy mate? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Take I mean, the work out of laundry this folding? This is the Juicero of, of clothes, mm. you know. I mean, it's just... When you see the Rube Goldberg device... Oh, I love the music. <laughs> and now yeah. this lovely young couple are about to disrobe. No, wait a minute. That's the future. Tea parties with the children. When are we going to get to the foldy, mate? I don't... I want to see the folding. What's the point of this ad? So she has a lot of clothes. It reminds me of Homer Simpson's advert. It was Senor Plow. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Look, it looks like a Xerox machine in your living room. So you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. He puts one shirt in after you don't see him clipping it. it down. You spend more time preparing the shirt for the foldy, mate, than actually folding yeah. the shirt. So you don't have to. I, you know, I, I guess one day I'll grow up and just stop hanging them on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Take the work. Huh? So that's the, give, that's give the automated yeah, that's kitchen. Yeah, that's good enough to wear. Yeah. Right. Circa 28. I mean, that's, that's solving a problem that's not a problem. Yeah, right? that's true. At the end of the day, you can just chuck your clothes on the floor and you're done. Mm. Having a machine to fold your clothes isn't going to move the needle. But I think, you know, why is it that we haven't seen more automation about home-prepared food? No, that's so an that, interesting... I, uh, I mean, technically... No, it might be very difficult. You could, argue, you could argue that we have in, the terms of, in terms of microwave meals. Yeah, you know, and there are companies. Get, in fact, we, get, have, we but then you get it's a pre-processed thing that's loaded full of salt and what fat. What was the name of that company that uh, Megan reviewed? They sell an oven that mm. it's really kind of silly, and they sell oh, the, the June June. No, I have a June. That's silly, but it's not. It's silly in a different way. <laughs> this oven. <laughs> it's this silly oven in a better way or a is, worse way. It's kind of a steam table slash oven slash microwave. It has a barcode reader, and they send you food which you scan. And then put in, and the, and the oven knows whether to steam or bake or yep, yep. fry, and does does it, and then out comes a meal. Actually, the meals weren't bad. I, I guess, I guess yeah, ultimately, I mean, look at how hard getting light bulbs into people's homes has been. Look at Hugh, and you know the. the Are they not doing well? Well, Feels like they're doing well. Yeah, but it's, it seems to me like this I is just something bought a that a dozen every, Hughes. Yeah, well, I, I have a dozen as well. I don't know what I was thinking. Nah. I still can't convince my wife and daughters to use them. Well, you know. So my wife says, "Well, you're putting all these. I put them in my office. Mm-hmm. You're putting all these in your office. You know, I can now say, turn wine closet light on yeah, to yep. dim, turn desk lights on bright, yep. and then when I leave, I say, and I do this with the Echo. Echo, turn off lights and den, and the lights oh, go off. I have off. a motion sensor. And for she that. goes, okay. Well, I could do that, but <laughs> yeah. I like talking to my. But she says, put oh, these in the finger. bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. I'll use the finger. No. She said, put these these in the bedroom. And there is a flaw to the hue, which you may not have discovered yet. But if the power goes out. Yes. And if it's, and this happened in the bedroom Mm. and the power comes back, the lights come on full. You can set the default state. 
They've changed it. Yes, there's a new Thank setting. Ah, okay. Yes, because and, that uh, was that was the reason I don't have them in the and bedroom. So what I actually happened. so what I actually have is an IFTTT script that goes yes. through and triggers them all off yes. at a certain time and, and certain yeah. preconditions. Yeah. When the but sun goes down, now you the can have a situation that if the power goes out, what's the state that it comes oh, back in? Is that you have to use if this and that, or do you? No, 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 no. It's, it's in, in the, the hue. Yeah, deep down in the bowels. I think I'm going to buy another dozen. Yeah, I bought so I have a whole bunch of them. I actually have them plugged in. To my oh. home studio, I've got some lights like this. Yeah, have like you this. done the entertainment thing yet, where it match matches the TV show? Not yet, because I don't know. Well, I don't ever watch TV, so it's just what I love about this show. I feel like a luddite right now. You know, yeah. so I do not have speakers in my home listening to what's being said. I do not have an IoT what? device to what? turn on the heating. Well, I don't actually have any of those. No, so I use my hand. It's, hey, it's hey, very reliable. Here's, a, here's, a, here's something power. I want you to go and research for me. There was 39 million Alexas sold over Christmas. I wonder how many, of, million. how many of them are actually still being used by the end of January. Yeah. Oh, all of them. But no. Be, but no, most of know, them will be used be a as lot. a timer. Yeah. 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 Here's, or, or as a speaker or something oh, like that. Oh, there's another but, video I can't play. Gosh darn it. What did I do to my Chrome? First, I couldn't get things to stop playing. Now I can't think, get things to stop playing. Is it a start to play? It's not a click to play plugin? No, I don't know what I did. Maybe it is. Let's look. Sometimes you have to. Yeah. They go like that when they're waiting to play. Yeah. You've got to click the, click the play down the bottom left there. But this thing? Yep. Stop it and then play it. Nope. You've no, really screwed it. I'm telling you. But look, the CNET autoplay is working <laughs> fine. Yeah. Odd how that works, isn't it? That's genius. See? Anti anti ad tech is better than you. Yeah. <laughs> and you want this machine to cook my dinner? No. Fold my clothes? I would never put windows Draw to cook my, my bath? dinner. No, that's really Honestly, that's we're always true. talking about oh we need more stem cell, stem education research and that's just I don't know what it was like when, when you when you were going to school, but we actually had home economics where they taught you how to cook. Yep. They well. don't teach that anymore. And it saves you a fortune. It's yeah, much no. better for you. And then all, you know, all the automated food preparation systems in the world do not mm. taste as good as my mum's shepherd's pie. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I just wondered. I just thought home automation just yeah. seems like a desert, so like a technology think, desert. You We're think seeing that all of these, what was it, 29 million, 39 million? There was 39 echoes. million Alexa things... And within, Google sold a, 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 a lot, a smaller number, but yeah, mi- about, tens yeah. of millions. About, about 10, 15. So yeah. uh, maybe 50 million uh, devices. Look at all these devices out there. Mm. And you think that they are just going to end up unused in a month I, or two? I think there's a very small number of people. So who, you don't use yours? No. Are we you, talking them like you the. Don't like, use, I, I you don't, don't even have, have them. them. No, I don't, don't have, have an Alexa. I use Siri on my iPad. Oh. So you think they'll be like the waffle maker machines that just stick up in the. You, yeah. you buy, you get it. So, oh, is that great? I'll stick it in and the And eventually it's it like it. the blooming thing talks when you don't want it to, so you just crush it underfoot. You yeah. know, like, damn thing. Oh, you know, accidentally. I have oh, to. Oh, yeah. I'm so hard. So we went, on, we went on a couple of. We took a weekend off, went, a, went to a hotel, and we had some people stay in the house. And I came back, all the echoes were set into the red mute mode. Everyone. They'd gone through the house, disabling. All the I have cameras in every room. I have echoes in every room. I have Google assistants in most rooms. Okay, this is, but I but, like it. I well, can, the thing is, what, that the, don't in, you want to be able to go into your den and say, Alexa? Or, well, don't say it out loud, but Echo, mm. turn on the den lights. No, I have a motion sensor that turns them on. I've got a. Why finger. do I need a speaker to do that? <laughs> just roll it round the dimmer switch like, like that, and yeah. it, it works every time. So I just have a dimmer switch. I just have a motion sensor, and the motion guys, sensor is programmed. You pretend to, to be technology lovers, you're lovers. no, no. I am a technology I lover. Reckon, but the thing I'm is about a, Alexa is that they the, echo the, say the, echo so we don't trigger people's. The uh, thing about the Amazon Echo is that it's um, fairly retarded in terms of its voice capability. It doesn't actually recognize. It's better than Siri, Mister oh, Siri user. Well, Siri is, Siri is now getting, the special cousin of, of assistants. 
it's just well, if like, you if you develop a series an Alexa skill, you actually have to set up all of this. Like you have to say every single word pattern that it's going to recognize. Hmm. So you're actually, only as the programmer, but once you. As a user, you, yeah, which you turn means you on get the this skill. Inconsistent well, execution, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to learn. The syntax is very complex. You have to learn yeah. how to speak, a la speak no, the lingo that the echo yeah. is programmed. So that's not. Uh, Siri, at least, is a somewhat more intelligent in the sense that it attempts to interpret what you. Now, mm -hmm. I suspect that in the long term, Siri will eclipse because it's no, trying to be intelligent. Not and even smart. a chance. Google's going to win the game here. I think easily. I don't think people want to do business with with Google. Maybe not. The same as Facebook. We're we talking yeah, about the not. collapse of Facebook here. You know. Do you, do you yeah. feel though that Apple? I mean, I, I understand psychologically people trust Apple, but do you think it is actually more trustworthy? I think conceptually, yes, because the financial the financial yeah. incentives are aligned. So yeah. in the sense you're conceptually that, trustworthy. Well, no, but traditionally Apple hasn't made a lot of money out of selling your data. That hasn't been their business model. Mm. They instead spell you send you overly expensive hardware that's balked, so yes. it doesn't work with other pieces of kit. Whereas Google and Facebook and the others are companies. monetizing yeah, you, ad companies. and yeah. I think uh, I, I think Greg's absolutely right on this. There is going to be a real backlash against firms who are selling your data back to you, as opposed to firms which just say, "Here's a phone. It's outrageously expensive, so, but you might want to buy it." Did you guys uh, pre-order an Apple HomePod? I available did. on Friday. I, did I ordered well. it and then I cancelled oh. it. <laughs> Why? Because uh, it only works with Apple Music. Yeah. Ah, well, so it's pointless. You can, you can port through Spotify if you're willing to jump through any number AirPlay of... Use AirPlay to yeah. Spotify. Yep. You can use that, which then just destroys the utility of the device. Yeah, you want to yeah. be able to talk to the thing and say, play my song. So I bought a HomePod and joined Apple Music, just Did like you? Apple wanted me to. Yeah. Good boy, Leo. Good boy. Now, you tell you know, me Apple's not predatory. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, but at least you I know what you're up, getting. You know? I signed up for the trial for iTunes Music and got to the end of it and went like, this is just so meh. Yeah. And you signed up for Spotify and I'm very Spotify, pleased. Spotify, yeah, yeah. Yep. And it's, particularly the family plan because I've got teenage daughters who, you know, and listening to them listen to ads on Spotify was driving me nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I felt like now, I'd, I felt I was a really good dad at that point. The teenagers. Right? Spotify with no ads is definitely a teenage see, thing. Right? Uh, Spotify? You Spotify, all Spotify? No? Apple Music? Yeah. What, anybody use Google Music? One. It's the Whoa, yeah. one guy. Really? One guy. Did uh, Google, does Google have music? Yeah. I didn't even know. You didn't know? No, of course. Oh, Google's got a great solution. I don't want anything to do with uh, Google. Pandora? Anybody yeah. use Pandora? No. No, uh, no. Nobody in the younger generation. Pandora doesn't exist it's in history. Australia. Oh, it doesn't exist no. in Australia. Well, I used to use USA. it, and then I used to work, I used to live next door to somebody from Pandora, and he was a complete... Well, I can't say you, that word, That's a personal reason for yeah. that. <laughs> you didn't like your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, I like Pandora, but I, have, I find once you have one of these services, they best basically overlap. Every service is roughly the same with yeah. slight differences. I like Spotify's playlists. I yeah. like its social. Um, I like the fact that from the Spotify app, I can play directly to my Sonos speakers. Yes. Mm. So I've got the... Well, uh, and, the HomePod uh, says they will support Spotify. I believe Apple will support eventually, Spotify. Eventually, yeah, in a very roundabout way. But you if like Siri so I much, think I Apple thought you might like... support Spotify later when I haven't bought the HomePod yeah, now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think you know, things I like about Spotify is I can point it to my Sonos speakers and then I can be playing it on my uh, laptop or my iMac and then pick up my iPhone and there's Spotify knowing what the track list is and showing that it's streaming to the Sonos. Mm. So that handoff feature is really quite nice. I mean, the biggest... Uh, I, when uh, Coming back to what you were saying earlier, when iTunes came out, it was the pup's packet of media of, of music players. It was yeah. really, really good. Yeah. And then with each integration is that related afterwards, to a dog's they've lunch, just killed a dog's it. breakfast. The pup's packet uh, is that like a 
the packets it's the are opposite di- of a dog's the, breakfast. Well, uh, no, the packets are different area of the dog, which you probably <laughs> He's shouldn't. Referring go to into. the byproducts of a puppy, <laughs> or the instigator. Yes. <laughs> so first comes the dog's breakfast, then comes the pup's packet. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, something along those lines. Yes. <laughs> They're related by time and distance. Yes. What's well, it's the natural course of things. Uh, no, I, I think uh, Apple Music is... I'm sorry, I interrupted your really thought. Awesome. No, 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 it's just... But iTunes has got progressively worse. Spotify has got incredibly, an awful lot better. And I think people, if you're trying to launch something to go in the home and you're saying it must it must be all about Apple Music, they're limiting their audience. The price limits it even further. It's, mm. it's an astonishingly expensive piece of kit. Yeah. I don't like the beat service. I think it's awful. Their mm. curation of playlists and music is... I don't know where those people keep their taste, but mostly it seems to be in their pants. I can't yeah. So, you yeah. know, they're awful. Like, Whenever I see someone with Beats headphones, you're just like... <laughs> but if you like, if you like uh, Apple Siri, this is the only device right now that you can use Siri. I don't like home. Siri. You I don't said, like it. I don't use it barely for any... Except to set a timer when I'm right. cooking. Mm. Um, but what I think... What I was trying to say is that I think long-term Siri has got a technological advantage over time because right. it is truly intelligent. And you Apple is not predatory. Yes, and every – well, uh, we've seen various demonstrations of the Echo. When you say, Amazon, buy me a shoehorn, it ships you the most expensive shoehorn, not the one you probably wanted, <laughs> mm. right? Well, that's your fault for just not specifying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't had that problem. No, it, I was but, talking to somebody about it this week. He got shipped the one that was this long. <laughs> well, and then, made, yeah, out, made like, out of carbon fibre and yeah. signed by Michael And it was Schumacher two and a half times the price you of the cheapest want, shoehorn. Yeah. Usually the way it works, you say, Echo, buy me a shoehorn, and it says, I found this yep. for forty nine ninety nine. Would you like it? And yeah. then if it's, uh, if he says yes, then it says, give me your pin. So the guy was a little more complicit yeah. than he's admitting one, to. That one-click pattern is really paying off big time, right? <laughs> So yeah, I, I guess I, I I generally don't trust. I, I believe that all of Amazon, Google, and Facebook are all predatory. Businesses. I feel like Apple probably is too. That's but I do maybe think they are, but I, in I, different ways, it's, in it's different, a lot more with different goals. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm being exploited in terms of paying a premium for a product. Yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm much happier with that deal. It, it's clear than to me I that am. Apple, well, this home, Apple HomePod plus Apple Music is a great example. Is interest in lock in is not particularly interested in providing great services, but yeah. would no. very much like to well, charge you more for the bad services. The, I mean, well, they've, they've rushed it out as well. They've rushed it out. Yeah. And they're only supporting doesn't do Airplay stereo, 1. It doesn't, doesn't do Airplay. doesn't do uh, multi-room music. They're doesn't all do Airplay waiting 1. for Airplay 2 protocol. Yeah. So the yeah. Airplay 1 protocol, if you've ever gotten into the mechanics of it, is really not a very good, yeah. a, not a very good yeah. outcome. And Airplay 2 probably... What is the difference better. between Airplay 1 and 2, technically? Uh, I'm not 100% sure I, I can either. explain it, so I'm not going to... Yeah. I'll say I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, the f- there's a lot more features. AirPlay 1 was basically DLNA with yes. some Apple. Mm. And it does multicast over the... It relies on multicast for discovery. Two does. No, no one, one does. One okay. does. That's how it discovers all the devices in the okay. system and stuff. Okay. But I think that AirPlay 2... Uh, f- oh, sorry. AirPlay 1 was a hardware-centric, so you had to have a specific chip right. or you had to have a specific... It had to be embedded in chip mm. and you had to have a license from Apple to put it in hardware. AirPlay 2 is going to be software and it's going to um, allow you to put this in a much greater number of devices. So AirPlay 2 is not hardware-centric, it's software. That's exciting. So and that's Siri a... then will be able to be put into other people's devices. Right. And you won't have the you know the annoyances of having to be certified by Apple, et cetera, et cetera. We, uh, we don't have a HomePod, but we have an amazing simulation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> One of our engineers, Burke, loves making uh, true-to-scale, not to weight, but to size yeah. uh, models of devices we can't get. And this is his 
HomePod. That gives you. It's, it's a. It's a fairly big device. Uh, smaller than my Sonos three. It's smaller than. It's a little it's bigger than the Sonos than my one. Sonos 5, yeah, but it's much smaller much, than the Play much Five. Much more expensive. Three hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. In fact, no, Sonos that's smart. That's quite a bit cheaper than a. Oh really? Than a well, Sonos. a Play Five, but not a Play One. Not In fact, Sonos three. is offering yeah. two for one Play Ones for yeah. three fifty. Hoping to get some of this market away yeah. from Apple. And they've got their new smart speaker now that's got Alexa support today and we'll have Siri support. That's the, home, that's the Play One. Yeah, yeah, that's the Play yeah, One. Yeah. Uh, Play One. Or Sonos One, not the Play One. It's Sonos yeah, yeah, One, yeah. I think it's called. That's right. All right, let's take a break. I'll tell you why I do. One of my really absolute main reason for having a lot of Echo devices in the house is because it's from Amazon, it can play my audiobooks. And all I have to do is say, and I do like this, Echo, read to me. And it will pick up where I left off on my audiobook. And to me, that's great. By the way, I should say all of these voice devices are good for podcasting. Yes. In yeah. every respect. Every because respect. you can yeah. finally ask for, just ask for a show by name and it'll play it for you. And uh, I always said podcasting isn't going anywhere until it's as easy to do as listen to the radio. Now it's actually easier. So I, I feel good about that. Let's talk about Audible, our sponsor uh, for the hour. We love Audible. As you know, I've been an Audible subscriber for 18 years now, since 2000, I have more than 500 books in my library. If you've never listened to audiobooks, maybe you're a little nervous about the idea of listening instead of reading. But I have to say, I am a huge fan. Uh, the readers at Audible are uniformly fantastic. Sometimes they're the author, but much more often they're professionals. For instance, the new Andy Weir book is narrated by Rosario Dawson. Uh, because it has a female protagonist. He's the guy who wrote The Martian. She does an amazing job. The book comes to life. Now, there are some authors, like Neil Gaiman, that you absolutely want to narrate his own books, his North, Norse mythologies. He has such a great kind of posh accent. <laughs> he just he brings it to life. So I really love it. Audible books, thousands, I think it's hundreds of thousands of titles across all type of literature, fiction, nonfiction, periodicals. I try to mix it. Let me let me show you my current Audible library, and you'll see there's a kind of a... By the way, I see I have some credits. Ooh, that's nice. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I, I try to mix it up. So I'll listen to fiction, then nonfiction, then fiction, and then nonfiction. I'm listening to a book by Russell Shorto, which is a, the history of the American Revolution in, uh, in five of its actors. Uh, so uh, six of its actors. So a slave, uh, George Washington, mm -hmm. uh, a Brit, it's really into one of the British generals. Really yep. uh, interesting. Lisa listens <sighs> one to this. We'll this. You are a badass at making money. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is one of the nice features of Audible now. It supports family. Okay. So, so we have, uh, I just listened to Fire and Fury, the, uh, the I, Artemis, of course. Fantastic. Oh, really? How was that? It's, it's good fun. Yeah. It's good fun. Uh, I don't want to get too political on the show, but He's it's burnt a lot of sources with that book. And I'm yeah, curious to know if Michael it's worth Wolf. It. Uh, well, I th it's pretty clear when you listen to it. His chief source was Steve Bannon. Yeah, and one of the things you get immediately from Steve Bannon, he's one of those guys who is verbally like very adept, very adroit, mm -hmm. very fast, very funny. Yeah. you know that guy. Oh yeah, uh, who can? He's like Truman Capote or something. He zing people right and left, and it was clear that for whatever reason he didn't hold back with Michael Wolf. And so it is just full mm. of the most scurrilous gossip. But also, once you <laughs> actually it's write Steve down, Bannon, who's like, I gotta well, I tell think, somebody. I think I think it's not necessarily scurrilous gossip because it seems to be real. Yeah, well, there's no evidence that this is actually gossip. Nobody's it's, come forward yeah. and said, "Yeah, I didn't say that." No, 
But Milani's not going to come through and say, yes, I was in tears and not of joy at the election win. And that's No, you'll never thing. hear Milani say that. But, you but know. it sure is fun to read. <laughs> Whether oh, yeah. it's true or not, I don't know. Jean Le Carre, I'm on a Jean Le Carre kick right he's now. He's very good. Legacy of Spies, his new novel. Mm. Fabulous. Fabulous. Um, as you see, a lot of history. Americana, a 400-year-old history of capitalism. It's Bouchard Esvassen. It's really good. Uh, yeah, let I mean, me give you some sci-fi, because I know everybody's interested in sci-fi. Ursula K. Le Guin passed away this week. I know. 88 years old. It's been... I am going back which to Which of hers would you read? Lathe of Heaven? Uh, I'd uh, still go uh, back to the Ursula trilogy. Yeah, I find, exactly. Like, I that's, read the Ursula trilogy the as a teenager, and had a massive impact on the way I... I'm still bitter that Raymond Feist managed to nick so much of that for, magician, for the Magician yeah. series, but yeah. yeah. Oh, you guys are um, much more literate about this <laughs> than But I yeah, am. what with her and Marky Smith, so, it was a very bad week for creatives. The yeah. Wizard of Ursula, yeah. The Ursula cycle, the three books of the Ursula yeah. So start with The Wizard, which is book one. Yep. Uh, one of the things that Audible's done so well is, is, is bring back uh, sci-fi. So in this case, yeah. recorded books her pub, uh, did you know go out and get her publisher to go along, but many of these classics the Heinlein and the Asimovs were never recorded hmm. because you know in the 50s and 60s there's no market for audiobooks so they've gone back with their frontier series and brought back some of the best sci-fi yeah the, i mean they're the only people that carry Ian Banks as well which is a real pet love yeah, Ian Banks yeah yeah, but they only does his own stuff. I'm sure. Oh uh, well, uh, he used to, but, uh, not me, not but yeah, I don't know who they've yeah. got doing it now. But I mean, it's this audible gets my wife through a commute. You know, she couldn't handle an hour and a half in the car every day without a, de a decent audiobook. We got a deal for you if you go to audible.com and si you'll be signing up for the Gold Plus One plan at audible.com/twit2. I'm sorry, let me get that right. Audible.com/twit2. Uh, you get two free books and a 30 day free trial. So you start off, and I think this is really made for the person who, perhaps like you, has yet to sign up for Audible because you're thinking, I don't know, am I going to like audiobooks? So try, all I can say is try it. It saved my life. I've been an audiobook listener for since Audible uh, started, I think, for 18 years. And I've read hundreds of books that way. It's the only way now that I really get to read because, uh, you know, you, there's all this dead time in the car or, at, uh, you know, at, doing the laundry or walking the dog or whatever where you just you in the know, shower in, i don't listen in the shower yet. no but uh, we actually <laughs> found that a substantial proportion of our audience actually has a bluetooth speaker stuck in the bath oh, and they listen while that. they're in the shower a in the waterproof. morning I, I do actually do have all we have to do a waterproof bluetooth speaker <laughs> yeah what well, so my, you're my, just not packing it in leo i you clearly need to, need to the, do more now my wife's big on the bath so you know it's just like this is this is great and i don't have to worry about the electrics being rotted and I don't have to take the phone in <laughs> and if we've just had a row then I can just hack into the Bluetooth signal and start playing <laughs> audible.com slash twit2 you start off with two free books and then you get a book credit per month with all subscriptions your choice of the uh, Daily Digest of the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times audible.com slash twit2 the only problem with audible is once we get started talking about books kind of easily derails the show. <laughs> I just can't. Do, do any of you guys, uh, you're young students, do you ever listen to audiobooks? No? You do. But most of you are just reading. Whether your eyes are old and tired. Yes. <laughs> I actually encourage my, encourage my kids. To, one of the well, research they've done is that kids, even young kids, mm. who listen to books, kids' books, and Audible has a lot of them, will read more. It just mm. gets you into books. No, I think it's great. You have to train your mind to visualize the content of a book. There is a skill. Yeah. There is a skill to reading but and once then you visualizing. Do it. Because you have to learn to... I learned to speed read 
at university. Are you visualizing like, when you speed read? No. Um, yes. Really? Yeah, I've been speed reading for 30 years. How so fast? 600 words a minute sort of thing. Wow. Four to 600 words. Depends wow. on what I'm reading. If I'm and reading is a, it as a full and rich experience as if you read at my speed? I will change up the speed according 40 words per second. <laughs> I will change up the speed according to what I'm doing. Yeah. So Well, I certainly skim a lot. If I'm skimming a lot of like the kind of stuff we need to study. Yeah, for we the show, I've got an RSS feed that. that looks like a train smash. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so a lot of that I speed read at six hundred yeah, yeah. words a minute. Um did you there was an app on the app store that used to do that. You'd set the speed and then just it, From our friend Clayton Morris. Yeah. And it was designed app. to teach you to speed read. Oh to speed, to speed read, read. okay. Yeah. Um, let me find the name There's of it. There's a couple of different ways to do it. So you need to try more than one. One way is to read word at a time, but the, the best way is to read a paragraph, like a, a group of words at a time. And so instead of I read, read, read quick, read, read, read. And I think yeah. it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's still available, read yep. quick 3.0. And yeah, you get to set the speed and, and, mm. and train yourself. But the, the weird way it works is you only see one word at a time. Yeah, I didn't like the one word at a time because I trained to read a phrase at a time. Right, I thought like I, Evelyn Wood and yep. these old speed reading so classes. So when, when you start off at, at school, they teach you to read one word, then one word, then one word. Yeah, that's, yeah. So that's because you're Yeah, so what you want to do is read fa- phrase, phrase, phrase. And you get if you really practice it, you can get to line, line, line. Yeah, that's what I want to so do. So I can, I can get through a trashy novel in like six hours, <laughs> 300 pages of trashy novel in six hours. And meanwhile, Ian is speed reading goats licking one another. What is that? <laughs> what are you doing? What oh, it's just something my wife said am to I me. Bo- am I boring you? <laughs> no, no, no. I was just um, no. I was just thinking. I, I posted. I was looking around your on social media. Your wife sent you a picture of a goat licking another goat. Is that a love uh, image? Oh, or no? Don't we not, don't have to get into it? <laughs> no, no. Remember, bad means no. Bad. No, but no, it's. Uh, I was just trying to find a picture because I had a, a put on social media a picture of myself in front of a bookcase, and somebody was just like, "There's no way you've read all those books." And it's just like, are you kidding? There's four more of them round there. Have this you is read what them all? we did before internet? Yeah, we had to read the books. Yeah. yeah, I have a lot of books I haven't read. I buy. I I had a bad habit of buying. Even I do this with audiobooks of buying them, saying yeah. I'm going to read them. I've weaned myself off that now with the library. I'll just Smart. order them from the library. Smart. I've got a definite deadline. I have to read them by. Because uh, if I borrow a book from somebody, the chances are they're not going to get it back from six months. You know, thieves yeah. steal your possessions, friends steal your books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right now I'm listening to about five different books at once. That's another bad habit. I really have to keep Yeah, it. I've started doing that with podcasts, listening to multiple same thing. podcasts at the same time. Not at the same not, time. Well, not at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a skill. That would be a real Speed skill. Speed podcasting. Yeah, podcasting. <laughs> yeah. That would be a skill. Pod-fa- Don't do that I do us. podcasting. I do listen at like 1.7 times for some of them. Are you going to buy, it's apparently for sale, although my invitation hasn't come, the new Google $250 AI-powered Clips camera. Oh. They was, it was so funny at the hardware launch when they announced this because they were just like, it's not creepy. Honest, it's really not creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. You know, it's, it's, it's AI, it's so you just creepy. leave it on. It takes photos of you when you like it, but it's definitely not creepy. <laughs> it's creepy. And it, it's... <laughs> Just like you know, so you put it, you put it. Uh, oh, so the way you train it is you get close to your subject, and then you put it somewhere, mm-hmm. and it now knows. Oh, this is who you're focusing on, and it will then what? Take pictures randomly, Pretty and much. then figure out which ones are the best, and then upload them to your Google Photos. Yeah, it's um, the idea. I mean, the the way they pitched it at the launch was. You would stick it, just stick it in a bookshelf. You yeah, know, and it'll. Take That's not a, creepy at all. And then just check, check through the. <laughs> just check leave it through, there. See, see what happens. See who's you know. Put it in the bathroom. 
Yeah, it's okay. you know, just lead around to see what was taken. Maybe it's just like the family lolling around the living room. Maybe it's your teenage son watching the beach volleyball. You know, it's <laughs> just there's all kinds of <laughs> oh, things that it could pick up. What fun we can have! Yep. They claim its AI is trained by professional photographers. <laughs> oh no, sorry, that's, <laughs> I can't say that on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how you would train them. Uh, how you would say, no, that's good. No, that's not yeah, good. Yeah, you've got it's to take your AI out for a walk every morning and jump yeah. it over no, the No, 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 bad, bad AI. No, bad. It's, it's one of those things I suggest, I think that probably sounded good in a planning meeting. And yeah, okay, we can knock it out really cheap as well. Just stick a couple of chips in there. 250 bucks isn't that cheap. No, no, they can, to actually build it though is fairly oh, cheap. Oh, we can ch- build it for $10. We can charge to it. Exactly. Yeah, that's ah. Because you've got to have all the, there's a SIM in there. There has to be a SIM to do the upload. Or a Wi-Fi no, system? No, no, it pairs That's to cool. your phone. It doesn't have phone? its own connectivity. So it merely so has Bluetooth. That is Bluetooth. a 10-buck item, then. They're, <laughs> yeah. 200, they're trying to charge for cloud services, then. Well, um, I mean, it's effectively a lifetime subscription to a Photos or it's, something? It's, it's, the way, it's the way it's gone. I mean, Nexus used to be a really good brand of phone because it was cheap, it was pretty powerful, and it did everything you wanted to. Then they all went to Pixel. Oh, we'll charge Apple prices, but it's not as good as an Apple. Oh, hush you, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just... So 16 gigs of storage, it does not go to the cloud directly. You, If you want it to go to the cloud, you have to copy it to your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no removable media, of course. Now, notice I'm still on the wait list, I, but people apparently were getting their invitations. So I'm just going to... I'm by it because okay. I buy everything and... Well, you know, it's it's kind of comes with the job, but so I I look at this and I'm if just thinking of the security impacts. So I was thinking, mm. did you hear about the exercise company Strava? And oh, they this, yes. yes, unbelievable. You told me about this yeah. on the way up, and I, I, I will leave it to the, you. Uh, you. I'll post a Twitter. It's so a they, tw- they, they uh, this is actually a, cup, uh, a, a app. A lot of athletes use runners yeah. particularly. Yeah. It keeps track of your runs. And a lot so of forth. annoying people on Facebook yeah. as I went on a three mile run with my so Stravia and stuff. It, it has, so Tobias Schneider uh, GP, obviously went up, GPS, went out right? and started looking at this excellent activity, and now he's tracking down military bases. <laughs> and he's showing. You can see the running tracks where the these people obviously spend time on fitness. So it's is it because it's more used by uh, the military? Well, well, yeah. military people tend to do a lot of jogging and they like to keep results. So mm. um, yeah, if you actually look at it, then I, when you told me this, I couldn't believe it. I checked it out. You know, but what have you learned? I mean, all you're learning is well, where okay, the jogging tracks are. Well, no, you, you've got an airport that's, that's, that's down as abandoned in Mogadishu, oh. and then all of a sudden, it's if you look on the thing, it's bright red lines Ooh. going all the way around Someone's it. Someone's exercising around the, the perimeter, just about where you is would put a fence. Is this Strava's fault or is it the user's fault? Let's face it. If you're in it's, a, if you're in a, it's just standard intelligence. Yeah, right. I mean, honestly, sort of, if you're if you're selling one of those bands to consumers, they're not going to know to turn it off. Yeah, but if you're in the military in a formerly closed Air Force base that is currently oh, you'd think, secretly yeah. been recommissioned, you shouldn't be wearing that band. No, no. You, well, but, I mean, Russian soldiers got caught like that in Ukraine. ISIS, Ukrainian uh, soldiers got caught. Uh, Ukrainian artillery, they had that app that came out that the Russian <laughs> intelligence released. You know, there was the ISIS guy who got snuffed out because he left geolocation on his Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it happens, you know. Yep. The Israelis so found this I out early. I always poo-poo and... these privacy concerns, but here I think you have a legitimate <laughs> reason for concern. If you're a, you know, if you're a freedom fighter, you might yeah. not want to be using. Well, that. the Israelis found this out very early once when mobile phones became more popular because they found that all their servicemen were taking mobile phones with them so they right. could speak to their friends or family while they're on maneuvers, and they were just like, "This has to stop right now. You don't take your own personal bit of kit 
on an army operation because they're trackable. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's the Pentagon. This is kind of interesting. Uh, the heat map shows very little activity inside. <laughs> but everybody's leaving the Pentagon. There's lots of movement outside. So uh, it, it must be a shielded building. Ah. Right? Yeah. So that it would be you an are smart. Building. Yeah. You are smart. They can't get any signal out. Actually, it's just obvious, I thought. But... <laughs> okay. How could you miss that? Smart, yeah. but not as gracious as you could be, mate. Yeah. You know? yeah. See, obviously I'm not very smart. Yeah. I'm never coming back here again. Ah. <laughs> so the, the military does caution soldiers. Yes. You probably shouldn't be using your four-square check-ins while you're on yes. yeah, mission. Yep. Yeah, and, when you're, and, you're head, check, heading over to the mess, you shouldn't be yeah. checking in to be the mayor of the mess. Mm. <laughs> I'm, the mayor. I'm the mayor of the or whatever base. it is that Foursquare yeah, does. Yeah. Um, I just think you know I look at all of these things and I'm thinking just how much how quickly you could exploit these for nefarious purposes and mm. you know we've already seen a number of criminal uh, activities uh, related to fitness trackers. You know he went upstairs and that way they concluded that the the, the, the oh the murder case the murder case yeah the the. the now, I don't know what the outcome, whether the court accepted that. No, the court did accept it. It's yeah. just basically he said that he... Was this the hot tub murder or was this something else? No, no, this was a guy... I think they said that someone was accused of killing their partner and they said they came home and their partner was dead on the floor and their Fitbit showed that, in fact, 20 minutes afterward, after he got home, then she was moving up and down the staircase oh. and then was found dead on the floor and it was just like, well, did, you, did you drag the corpse up and down the staircase or did you, <laughs> and forget to tell us about so, it? We've got some categories uh, of people who shouldn't be using trackers, murderers, yep. members of the armed forces. Yeah. I imagine if you were Podcast a, hosts. If you are doing any sort of criminal activity, yeah, actually take using off the yeah. Fitbit. Take off the Fitbit and the, smart, and the Apple Watch. I just got 100... Thousand paces <laughs> running from the police. From the <laughs> we had some fun this week. This was a, a good week on Twitter, and we've decided that the best way to communicate that to you is to prepare a short film for your enjoyment. Please watch. Previously on Twit, you're looking more like a lumberjack every time I see you. Can I just? Oh, I love that. <laughs> that is so nice. I wish I could have a beard like that. You could. You could have the is beard. Is that what I'll happened? The hair. All the hair went into your face. This week in Google. The Wall Street Journal had a story about how the internet was filling up because a lot of uh, Indians are sending millions of texts that just say good morning. They just got phones or and so the first thing they want to do is send a cheery greeting to everyone they know and I just think it's funny that people are saying good morning. Tech News Weekly. This week, Amazon opened its cashierless store to the public. Walk into the Amazon Go, scan your phone, grab your stuff, and run as fast as you can. After picking up and dropping things, I kept doing all this random crap to try to trip it up. Didn't work. So then uh, when I left, I just said, nah, I don't want that yogurt. And I tapped refund on the yogurt, and I said I didn't like it, and it gave me my money back. And then I went back for a second trip and just handed the yogurt to somebody. Look, um, I'm a journalist, all right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's about ethics and yogurt journalism. Right. <laughs> Twit. Tell your boss it's job-related. <laughs> that's a good slogan. I can't wait for one to use this Amazon Go store. I just love the idea of just walking in and walking out. I think they should be on every corner. I mean, I feel bad for 7-Eleven clerks. Oh, that I can live without, but things like that. I'm sure... You don't that- want that? Like, it wouldn't even be... Like, you wouldn't even have to have a storefront. You could just have a closet in, in the office or whatever. I mean, you could... Wouldn't you like that? A store you just go into, you take what you want, and you... And eventually you won't have to scan your phone. It'll just say, well, I know it's Leo. I actually want my shops to actually have goods on the shelf. I mean, every time mm. I go to the supermarket in the UK, they can't stack the shelves fast enough. They're half empty. 
See, there's a job yeah. opportunity. People yeah. can get they're jobs. All, they're all on the they're all on the checkouts. I guess is that mm. what you're saying? Yeah. Too many Move people on the checkouts. The not enough people. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, uh, that may be okay. a symptom of a problem in the UK economy. <laughs> I think for, for, yeah. for stuff that you're buying in bulk, like you know, you know, toilet paper and the rest of it, fine. But for fruits and veggies, I actually want to see them before you I can put still them in do the that. Basket. No, you go in, you squeeze it, you choose it, you take it with you. You're then, doing everything. Mm. The only thing you're not doing is going through a, a checkout process. You're just walking out the door. See, you get bring your little earth earthy. And everything's RFID tagged. And yes. Just, no, no, yeah. it's all cameras, too. I mean, they have 40 yeah. or 50 cameras. See, there's an interesting interesting thing here in terms of data points about what Amazon knows about you. What happens if you pick up, I don't know, uh, something? Uh, you and know, put it back and down? And put it back down? Does that signal... You. No, I... Uh, but they've got the data to say that you were interested in this product enough to pick it up You're and look at it. You're going to start getting coupons. <laughs> yeah. What could possibly be wrong with that? All right. Well, <clears> next <throat> time I'll buy that Sunny Delight. And next time you're on the Amazon website, they start retargeting you with so ads around that product. So what Why would that bother you? Wouldn't you want ads for things you wanted and uh, rather than ads you had no interest in? <laughs> things you had no interest in? I well, never understood why people don't like ad targeting. Not that we do bit, it. I mean, it's beyond creepy. This is one of these superhuman things again where – you know, the fact that I can go... Um, no, it's only because you're anthropomorphizing it. There's nothing creepy about it. You showed an interest in something, so we're going to show yeah, you... So I bought an Apple HomePod. I put it in the in the, in the the, the, the shopping basket and I signaled that I had an intent to want this thing. Right. Mm. And then all of a sudden, as I move around the internet, I get peppered with ads for Apple HomePods. It already HomePods. happens. If you put... If yes, you go to Apple and you put... It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you'll get... In fact, Apple, after a few days, might even send you a coupon and say, we'll give you 10% off yes. that HomePod you didn't buy. Yep. Now, what's wrong with that? There's a whole bunch of negative things. Let's say maybe you've got a, a fetish for diapers, or say something that shouldn't necessarily come out in public, some sort of personal uh, <laughs> hygiene well, issue. It's you know? not a human; it's just a machine. It doesn't judge. <laughs> no, but so Leo likes diapers. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with that? Throw in a little baby powder, sweeten the pot, so to speak. So you guys went to the Amazon Go store. Oh, really? How did was you it? go in and buy something and come out? Yeah. What was that like? Fantastic. Yeah, right? Would you like one of those in your neck of the woods? Sure you would. Yeah, yeah. I want the money to be able to go there. Really. Now, were any of you considering a career as a shop clerk? <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. You go to Canberra Grammar School. Yeah, they want to go and work they for wanna, Amazon. Yeah, they're going to be working at Amazon. Actually, they're going to be designing that bot. One. I hope yeah. you found Amazon. Don't work for it. Did you, um, did you try to shoplift anything? Yeah. You did. You're very honest. And what happened? Well, they charged you. They charged you. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't. You, get, you try to walk out the door. Now, did you have to scan your phone going in? How did that yeah, work? So you you scan did. Scan your phone going in. Yeah. And then you go you look around, and it has cameras, and most of the products have like a little special sort of barcode on them. Does it have a price on it? I mean, do you know what you're going to pay for it? It's just like, it's just like a normal shop. Just like a normal shop. Okay. Walk in, you scan your phone, yeah. and then you just walk out. Did they have Marmite or Vegemite? I <laughs> doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really... In By the way, thank you for the Vegemite. We've, we've been... Because uh, mm. I have a guy from the UK and a guy from Australia here, although you live in the UK now. I do now, yeah. And you live in the US now. Yeah. So I'm totally confused. <laughs> <laughs> but nominally, you would be a Marmite fan, Mystery oh, and Thompson. I was born and raised on the stuff. And nominally, you would be a Vegemite fan. I am fan. a Vegemite kid. Born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah. 
And I, having never tried either, find them disgusting. <laughs> Boom, the heretic. <laughs> we can both agree on that one. No, it's you know? Obviously, the superior, the, like, obviously, this consumption of uh, yeast, rate, yeast beverages to go on your carbohydrates. Toast is the yeah. best. Only way it's to make it is actually, hot toast with butter. You know what? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's actually delicious. Yeah. It, it, it has its charms. Yeah. I really like both of them. Just so very high in salt. It's not. It is yeah. salty. It's very salty. It's high sodium. So you can't have a lot. My yeah. wife, God love her, she tried Marmite twice and then she's she just American. like, you know what? American. I've tried it twice. I know I don't like it. So just get that stuff you know away from me. what's fascinating? Our show today brought to you by Marmite. <laughs> <laughs> no. I would love. Though, I don't think it's. The first There's podcast. There's a whole market for that. I yeah. would love to be the first podcast to get. Hey, it'll be Marmite, Marmite or Vegemite. Sponsorship. I'm not particular. I'm going to contact Procter & Gamble on Monday. and uh... No, Procter & Gamble doesn't. You know, Mondelez, for a while, owned mm. Vegemite, I think, but they sold it to uh, an Australian consortium, as it should be. Mm. But yeah, they've all been acquired by various brands. Now, can companies. you use Vegemite in the same way as Marmite to do things like Vegemite roast potatoes? Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you just got this far so away folks, look in your eyes. For those like, of you who have no idea, this is a spread made out of the byproduct of yeast, of brewing beer. Mm -hmm. It's the yeast byproduct. It's mm. not even fresh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, it says yeast extract from yeast grown on barley and wheat. Mm -hmm. That's a euphemism. It can't for be any we, worse than things like kombucha or... Yeah. No, you know, certainly like, no. It's not fermented. Well, that Juicero uh, idiot who yeah. was trying to do the raw His water His new thing is raw thing. water. No. I know. Can you see? That's just like... You remember cholera, cholera epidemics yeah. and why we don't have them anymore. You well, know, because you all got... Uh, uh, immunized against cholera it's by just, drinking bad water. It's just so, like, just, at least it's people, so California. Silicon, Silicon Valley is just insane. Oh, it's it's I, why I love it. It's it, a fomenting. It's as if you had a, a vat took, of Marmite just bubbling over. It's if we yeah. took all of the genetic defects of all over the world and just put them in one place <laughs> and just be like, you know. Our show today brought to you by WordPress. If you are making a blog, a website, if you're a business and you don't have a website, you need to go to WordPress, wordpress.com. 29% of the whole web runs on the WordPress content management system. I have for years, practically since WordPress started, but it was only recently I went to wordpress.com, and I have to say I love it. They handle the installation. They handle the hosting. They handle the updates, the security patches. So you can just focus on the thing you care about, putting great content on the Internet. And because wordpress.com is a community, you get more traffic more people sharing your stuff. They have built-in social sharing automatically. So your fans or your customers can share your site on their Twitter feed, their Facebook feed. Built-in search engine optimization makes it easier for you to find. They handle the technical details. You just make a great website. You don't need an expert. You don't need an experience. You can do it yourself. In fact, go right now to wordpress.com slash twit. And, and they'll guide you through the entire process. If you do have questions, a great customer support team. WordPress experts who are eager to help you get the most from your site. And they're there 24 hours a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday. They're even there right now on weekends too. Plans start at just $4 a month. I have a business plan. I love it. I can even bring my own plugins and templates. It's really worth it. WordPress.com slash twit. Create your website, find the plan that's right for you, and get 15% off at Word. Yes, on your new site. For 15% off, wordpress.com slash twit. Find out why 29% of the internet runs on WordPress. I had a couple of attempts at blogging, and then my one that finally stuck back in January 2008 was I literally went to wordpress.com 
and started. So much easier. Yeah, it was. I was one of those guys, probably like you. I thought, yeah. I can host this. Yeah, I started. I'll run it on my server. Yeah, I'm going to, you know. I spent so much time. All I did was update it. And Less time writing the blog than yeah. you actually yeah, keeping it really up. never yeah, posted. Really was. Really was. <laughs> but it was, it's a good learning experience. It's good to run your own service. It, it definitely was. Uh, but the real success was getting that first year under the belt of actually posting content on the internet was done. And then I was able to move from that to yeah, a self-hosted site. Yeah, uh, and then build a full business around that. Nice. Mm. Thank you for the uh, the plug, and thank mm. you, WordPress. Uh, I, w- I want to thank WordPress, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Great. I always feel that way. Yeah, yeah I love those guys. Mm. Uh, this is sad. There was a $20 million uh, Lunar X Prize for the first privately financed venture to make it to the moon. Nobody did it. None of the... Uh, it spurred an awful lot of, of There were There are still five remaining entrants. Yeah. But none of them are in a position to launch by March, and that's what they would need. It's getting the launch window, but honestly, I can't. I don't understand why Google didn't just. It's twenty million. Come Give it on. to the. That's down. The, that's down the, the closest, clock. right? That's Sergey's beer. The change down the back of his sofa. Twenty million. Oh, I know. Damn, I could. I knew I left that somewhere. But, yeah. You know. It's... So space space il moon express synergy moon, Timindus and Hakuto, uh, each have contracts to launch their spacecraft. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't get it done in time. Harder than it looks. Which Nevertheless, is makes, this is impressive as hell. You got five yeah. commercial entities. Which makes Tesla um, quite... It just reminds you how amazing Tesla... Not Tesla, mm. SpaceX is. Yeah. You know, the fact that... They're doing it. They're, they're doing it long yeah. before... These people have been at it roughly for the same amount of time and still haven't got as far. Yeah. yeah. So... Partly has to do with the so. money and the, the glamour that Elon well, Musk brings yeah, to the game. True, but, but you, know. you know, you can't get around the fact he's actually landing rockets on a regular basis and sending them back up again. That is it's an amazing like, thing yeah. to watch. Oh, wow, no yeah. one's there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is amazing. Uh, very much so. Uh, Apple now has 27 self-driving test cars. <sighs> what is it? We They're going to just carry on throwing money at this for a little while until the they money. can just kill it. You know? They got the money. Uh, these are all registered with California's Department of Motor Vehicles. They're all Lexus RX 450H SUVs. Uh, those are popular because they have, they're big enough you can put all of that liner on the roof. Look at that. Look at that roof, man. I've <laughs> got to love California DMV because they now do a regular updated report on crash reports from so, autonomous cars. Good. Makes doing the job so much simpler. <laughs> That's where you find all these motorcyclists and others. Well, that and, you know, generally the first the minute the lawsuit comes in, then we get spammed yep. out with, have you just seen I'm suing these yeah. people? Maybe you'd like to write about so, it. So we've heard that Apple's given up on its self-driving ambitions, but this doesn't imply that. This is a... This is a I think they're winding it down. You know, it's they're winding it down by winding clear it up. That the car manufacturers are going to do it themselves. Yeah, right. And they're entering the game at about the same level that people like Apple are already at. So yeah. Google, where you know, there's Uber, no point. But is Waymo not a competitor? Google's. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but I mean, uh, I think Waymo. You would, you would say General Motors has an advantage. Uh, yeah, but I think Google's Google's planning to build the operating system and then sell it to the manufacturers. Yes. And the manufacturers are saying, yeah, well, you know... We could just build our own. Yeah, we've seen how well the PC hardware business did with Bill Gates, so I think we'll maybe just develop our own So I think think it's going to be interesting to see this play out. I think we're going to see the traditional car manufacturers have a go Mm -hmm. at this, and some of them will get it right and some of them will fail. So it'll be... You know, and then the ones that fail will turn to Google or Apple and relicense their technology to survive yeah. before they die. And so it's going to be a fight for whose operating system is going to be the, the one that runs across cars. The question is, is this a market where it's only one winner? So, mm. you know, the, where are the network effects here? 
that mean there's only one winner or is it a, literally a market where BMW or Daimler, you know... Yeah, um, one of the big high-end brands says, we're specially integrated with Apple, therefore you should buy us. Indeed. Or is it because they'll develop their own, which is just as good as everybody else's, it's close enough, so we'll just run that because we developed it in-house. Mm. And what's the cost of developing and maintaining that software or is it better that that effort, that research and software development effort be shared resources between the car yeah. makers? So. I don't think there's a consensus here about what that business model looks like going forward. So mm. we'll see a plethora of choices remain until there's some sort of, you know, guidance so, as to what the future model will be. Yeah. Also, like I mean, Apple and Google aren't going to make cars. No. So the car makers themselves are in a position to <laughs> control what the outcome looks like. So Apple or Google or whoever else is going to produce a self-driving car operating system needs to be better than what the car makers can make. Yeah. So You know, it's interesting because this is, might be somewhere – for BlackBerry to play, they own QNX, which is a real-time <laughs> operating system. Was it a good old BlackBerry? I know, but who? Yeah. But who thought? But the, John Chen was uh, uh, spoke at uh, at CES and talked about this operating system. Many car manufacturers are using it. I don't know. John if they Chen have, is Marissa Meyer. He's there basically to get the best. He's there to price, shut it down. The best price for the assets mm. that he can, and then just QNX is an obsolete idea. Yeah. Is it really? Just, yeah, pretty much. A real-time operating system was something that we needed 20 years ago. So the idea is, is that you can... Um, so Jarvis, this this artificial intelligence that they want to put in their self-driving car software, is that's, that's a non-starter. You don't to, think that's a business? Compared to the amount of money other people are putting into this and the amount of lead time they've oh, got I'm disappointed. against, I thought, against BlackBerry. I thought there was a second act in BlackBerry's It's future. possible. For, so QNX is effectively Windows. What Windows is to the oh, PC, really? QNX I thought it was a real-time... Oh, no, okay. It, it's not in any way comparable to Windows in the sense... Not that, at all, but... Technically. You still need apps to run above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right? a platform. So, yeah, so yeah. you So what you're attempting to say is that QNX has a unique value as a real-time operating system Apparently inside not. a car. Well, why not just use Linux? Right. Why would Tesla's I go and pay? Tesla's use Linux. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can actually, there are real-time versions of Linux if you're into that, but it's equally just much easier to uh, get a bigger CPU and clock it so fast that you actually don't need a real-time operating system. Ah. Right? Mm. Even with all the LiDAR data that's pouring in yeah. and all of that? Yeah. So you just you, need a faster uh, processor. Yeah, or better software, or there are ways to work around it. You've got a ton of electricity it. to play with. You've got great cooling systems to play with, so you can run these things very hot and very hard. <laughs> and if you, it, when you have extra cycles, you can Bitcoin mine on the side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I all right, so, so I'm not I was, sure all, I I was like see. really hopeful that this was going to be, uh, you know, yeah. the savior of BlackBerry and anything's possible. I mean, I think with self-driving cars, everything's still to play for. It's all up in the air. And that's why yeah. Apple's still doing it. Yes. That's. I mean, Google's going to. Google's have got a little bit more, uh, but it's hard skin to see. It's hard to believe that BlackBerry has a competitive advantage. I mean, uh, what is it that's no. unique about it? And if they're claiming that QNX, which is literally, you know, as a, as a viable alternative to Linux, is a competitive edge, I find that hard to believe. See, that's why I like having you guys on. Yeah. I learned something. Let's talk about net neutrality. The governor of Montana and now uh, the governor Cuomo of New York have both signed executive orders. They didn't have to go through the legislature mm -hmm. on this saying if you're going to be an internet service provider in our state, you must abide by net neutrality. Yep. When Ajit Pai and the FCC threw out net neutrality rules a few weeks ago, one of the things they said is states can't overrule this. There can't be separate state net neutrality rules. And frankly, that kind of makes sense because you don't want to have 50 different laws governing 
national internet service it's providers. Remarkable though how how their anti-states rights when it comes to yeah, something like this, very, very pro-states rights when guns yeah. and abortion are involved. Right, you right. know, it's it's, it's strange how selective. that mental disconnect works. Depends which industry paid them most. Yeah, the, basically. At the um, in any event, this is uh, I think this is uh, interesting. I don't know if there'll mm. be a court challenge. Mm. Um, I imagine that there will, because as we know, Verizon, AT&T. Oh, they love that courtrooms. Love that courtroom. Mm. And then to tie this all up, AT&T put big ads in many of the nation's newspapers saying, we need net neutrality. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Well, they, <laughs> what? that's why they spent $100 million to get well, rid of it. So <laughs> what? Biggest, one of the most interesting parts about the net neutrality for me is what it means. The reason that AT&T and Verizon are so much in favour of it is not so much because they can charge more. That's certainly a part of it. But it's to do with the ad tech. So how much money they can make by selling your data about oh, and you. And we know this. Verizon, before mm-hmm. these... Rules were enforced. Verizon put that super cookie on every single Verizon owner's phone. The FCC was able to get them to stop, by the way. Not anymore. So it's about, I think it's about a $75 billion business now, which is, we're we're getting up to the point where the ad tech data is getting the same amount of money they make out of selling the bandwidth. So why is (laughs) AT&T, by by the way, AT&T was one of the telecoms that sued the FCC and, and overturned their original net neutrality yep. rules, forced them into Title mm. II regulation. So we know that they are not really in favor of mm-hmm. internet neutrality. Mm. Why is it they took these ads out suggesting Congress should pass an internet bill of rights in favor of net neutrality? I think there's two reasons. First off is public relations. Uh, because they, yeah, I the think, headline uh, is I think they, they, supports Yeah, it. they have been, I think the telcos have been a little surprised by how much people are actually starting to take care of net neutrality now. Mm. Yeah, they thought Um, normal people wouldn't even know what it means. Yeah, exactly. But the the other key reason is, if you actually get an Internet Bill of Rights, who's going to write it? The lobbyists are the people with the deepest pockets. Mm. So it'll be chock full of... I mean, you were telling me about a a loophole from the 1920s, which is still in operation, Greg. You know, these things are chock full of loopholes. I think it's really... I think that story... Let me just tell that story. So the United States is the only country in the world that didn't regard telecoms as a public utility. I think there's like one other country or, or two other countries where the government um, didn't actually install the cables in the ground and run the telephone. Australia is so a good example. Yep, the Telstra. Australian government created Telstra, put in the infrastructure. They eventually yep. kind of spun it out yep. into private, but uh, but they started it. And in the UK, it's BT. So yep. British, Telecom British Telecom was a government yep. department. For many years, they ran all the cable and then it was privatised. But the cable itself is owned by um, Openreach, which yep. is a government, semi-government it, but they rent the, the cables to over-the-top ISPs. See, that's the way we would like to do it in the United States, but we have an mm. older infrastructure so that was no, no, created no, by no. private So industry. the way it worked is that back in the days of Theodore Vale, with the financial backing of J.P. Morgan, now this is a, a website called potoroo.net. This is one of the people who designs and builds the internet. I'll drop I would, it into the I chat would room. read your screen, but you have some sort of weird filter on it that prevents <laughs> me from seeing what it's you're doing. It's in the doing. chat room. You can see the link okay, in the chat room. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> So the story goes is a little over a century ago, Theodore Vale, with the financial backing of J.P. Morgan, um, went after the chairman of AT&T. Now, AT&T was built off the back of buying up all of the telephone providers. This is back in the days of the operators punching the cables across. Right. And AT&T ended up with a monopoly of all the telephone operators. By the way, if you don't mind, I'm going to have a little Vegemite during this story. I think yeah. this is a, sit back. In fact, I invite everybody. To, wow, that's you a put lot it on, of Vegemite. You put it on thick. That's, uh, they told me to. You Did you evil, tell them about the drop bears oh, and the hoop snakes as well? Respect. <laughs> yeah. No, they said, no, no, you put it on like uh, Nutella. Yeah. Pretend it's Nutella. Yep. Not that thick? 
I should scrape no, it then? No, no, right. no, Potoroo. no. Go back to Potoroo. Potoroo. Okay. So in Can a, they tell you about drop bears as well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they so, come out of the trees, right? So yeah. AT&T had a monopoly of all the telephone services. So what the government did was after there was a bunch of stuff going on, uh, Vale had AT&T abandoned its commitment to the telegraph service and committed AT&T to the rather singular public mission for a private corporate entity to bring the wonder of the telephone to every American. Congress right agreed and agreed a now unique national experiment in public-spirited monopoly. Don't you love that? Wait a minute. Public-spirited monopoly? That's right. Yeah. AT&T was granted a monopoly to commercialise telephone to every single person. Was the rationale? Well, if we give them a monopoly, they'll invest and build this infrastructure because so they can it, get a payback for they it? They took away AT&T's monopoly in operating the telephone services and then gave them the ability to put the cable in the ground and exploit that for profit. So... Oh. This, Seems like a, a good deal. So every right. other country in the world went for what's called a common right. carriage. Everybody yeah. had a shared. It was a national resource. And like the, the highway system. Yeah, and those things create money. So if you can communicate better, yeah. if you can transfer goods better, then yeah. your economy runs faster uh, and runs hotter. A government-run interstate highway system mm -hmm. facilitates interstate commerce. That's right. Yeah. There's trucks. There's cars. That's right. There'd be no Amazon if there wasn't roads. Interstate commerce. Yeah. And the Amazon didn't build the roads. The government did. Yes. Right? So... This for is, some reason, we decided a different plan for... Yeah, AT&T had built a monopoly uh, in some other area, and they said, well, you can't have that monopoly. We're going to break that up, but we'll give you a, a prize if you'll go and run. gift. So a public-spirited monopoly. Yeah. And so you have this unique situation. Now, AT&T then subsequently <laughs> went on to be broken up into pieces... And, uh, That's even a little thick. <laughs> I wouldn't need that much. Don't get me wrong. I love my mom. I, I'm glad you're here to protect me because these kids told me to eat more. <laughs> so mm. it, it's an interesting situation where in, in the US, the cables that are in the ground belong to companies who were given government support to put them there. Mm -hmm. So they were given a government grant of monopoly as long as they were public spirited. Now, a lot of that... So what you're fundamentally seeing over the years is the FCC, which was a custom regulatory body that was aware of these specific issues related to yeah. this technology-rich market, which yeah. is not something the FTC or any other consumer commission is able to handle. And now that they've had all of the breaks, so there's no responsibility for them to give back by the, the way, this, this move was kind of duplicated when the cable companies came along it's and said, we want to do the million. same thing. The yep. 400 million thing. And right, they yeah. gave them essentially, you know, franchises and monopolies in individual communities That's for the right. same reason, I think. Yeah, and they also had to do things like with cable. It's a public-spirited Public spirit. Everybody should have television. That's right. what makes America great. And I think <laughs> if I'm AT&T or I'm Comcast, I make the argument We're not getting that out of here alive, this is expensive. <laughs> Yep. And if you want us to do this, you're going to have to give us a monopoly. That's right. What the question is, well, why didn't the municipal governments or the federal or the mm. state government step in and say, well, well no, wait a minute, we're going to do it. Mm. Well, and they're you, trying to do it now, but then AT&T is saying, actually, we have a government the books in like 20, 25 states saying you can't have a municipal yes, broadband. AT&T and Verizon literally have mandated monopolies yeah. from the government. Then that's and what they're using. wherever that's threatened, they've gone in bought legislators yeah. and well, returned those. And they're also able to take it to court and say, we have a right to this because in law, it's you enshrined in law. Yeah. Mm. So one of the interesting things about net neutrality now is that they own the cabling infrastructure in this country and indeed have gone on to buy up the, uh, the, the radio waves as well. So anything, any chance of getting around it by, say, 5G mm. had, means that they continue to You're own... still running on still their running So yeah. against that situation, the FCC scaling back is actually giving them back full rights to commercialise that system with no responsibility back to society. So everything that you need to understand about net neutrality is in that 
Frank. It's no longer a public spirit monopoly. It's just a monopoly. Yeah. It's a monopoly. Deal with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 wow. and a government-mandated monopoly. Wow. So it's but there is a precedent for it because it's how it was created yep. in the early days. I think you can make the argument, well, you guys have benefited from the monopoly. You've, yeah. you've paid off the mm -hmm. costs of doing this. Yep. It's now time for us to use eminent domain or whatever. Uh, now, isn't AT&T, though, essentially saying, well, let's have Congress well, just unbundle the local loop. This is the. I mean, that could solve an awful. They're lot never going to do that. Well, no. Did you see the Burger King and net neutrality? Love yeah. the Whopper that net was, neutrality. Yeah. And this is wait. why. This yeah. is why AT and T wants yeah. to do this PR campaign because they understand that real people, normal people, not geeks like us, are understanding yeah. net neutrality. Quite how badly they're about to get shafted. Yes, mm. but are they? Because this is one thing that a lot of people have said, including Ajit Pai. Well, look, have we? Is there any violation of net neutrality? Well, yet? go to Portugal, see how they do it there. You know, like, they don't have <laughs> net neutrality. And if you can see the Portuguese price sheet, it's like you want fast access to Yeah, that was YouTube. a little bit... That's yeah, I think that's been debunked extra. a little bit, though. Mm. That, that one was more... It was a wireless carrier, and they were... they. It was just saying, you 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 know, you're paying for data mm. on a wireless carrier. There's caps. We'll uncap this, yeah. these music services, if you yeah. have extra. I don't think that's exactly They're not really stupid about it in the short term, but I think long term, it's just the way they will start to crack down. It, it's, it's easy yes, for the... Yes, because they know that people are watching yeah, them right it, And it's also a victimless crime, in a sense that if the carriers start charging more, then the consumer pays more, and that's it, right? It's not like... Uh, and the way well, that we're already paying more, they very cleverly ratcheted up the costs of cable. I internet. can't believe how mm. expensive internet is in yeah. this over oh, here. I just, just the home insane. like, just outrageous. <laughs> pretty typically, sixty-five, seventy bucks a month yeah. for high-speed internet through a cable system. Yeah, and a little it's less not for the DSL. Same. Anyway, yeah. uh, one of the, I think there's a couple of interesting things that uh, I haven't seen talked about other places. One of the things is um, today we have a lot of cloud computing based out of the US. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's convenient. Uh, the prices are generally cheaper here. If the bandwidth prices rack up, it's actually going to be cheaper to take business out of the US and put it offshore. Store your data, your Dropbox yeah. data in Ireland. Where the bandwidth is cheaper. But because so, there's no competition in the market here, there's no mm -hmm. you know, persuasion to innovate. That's why you've still got people running DSL services and why you've mm. still got people running very slow stuff. Um, because Capitalism requires... Competition. Fri competition. Yeah. Frictionless and frictionless decisions. It's like we were, we were talking about healthcare in the car, mm. right? When your leg is broken and the, your blood's pumping out onto the street, you don't actually sit there and go, hmm, which hospital am I going to go and visit? <laughs> yeah. right? That's I like the beds in that one, but the bedpans are more colour-coordinated. Yeah, here. they've got warmed bedpans over there. Yeah. I like that one, yeah. That's not how it works, right? Um, so I do think that there's a there's possibly some negative, serious negative impacts yeah. where you start moving your operations away from the US to get away from the bandwidth, and you can certainly do that on the internet, um, and then still send it into the <laughs> into yeah. the US from offshore. But it's it's bizarre. I mean, when Time Warner uh, had their latest merger talks, they're saying, well, it's 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 not going to harm competition because we only compete in three markets. Mm -hmm. And really, the number two and the number three telco only compete in three markets. That doesn't look 3% of the market. That doesn't look a wee bit suspicious. Yes. You know. It just seems to be so much leaned into what... I would to, expect these companies to reflect their interests in their statements, yes. to slant them all. Mm. The problem really has been... There's nobody looking out for the, the public's interest. Mm -hmm. So you're not hearing, well, maybe here you are, but in general, you're not hearing the other side of it. Yeah. So it's basically mm -hmm. industry's complex, point of view is accepted. These are complex issues. It's very difficult to explain the concept of 
you know, multi-rate bandwidth and traffic shaping and how this is going to impact you. And to, yeah. The Burger King actually is a, is it's a, a good ad. It's a no, good, it's a really I, good ad. Yeah. Everybody should watch it. And it's good for Burger King, but it's also a great explanation. Yeah. However, translating that into action and understanding is another matter entirely. Yeah. And yes. I think ultimately... I think the thing um, that this is what the telecoms are taking advantage of. This is a highly technical topic, and people really don't care that much. I think so. And the flip side of this is that the consumer interests are no longer represented by the FCC, the Communications Commission. They're not represented by Congress. And no, it's the FTC. It's now to the Federal Trade Commission, and the Federal Trade Commission has actually said we just don't have they the can't. competency to understand yeah. this technology. Yeah. In fact, that's why we created the FCC. If you want to be cynical, industry. if you want to be cynical, that's exactly why the, uh, mm. the FCC. And Congress wanted the FTC to do it because yeah. they couldn't. That's yeah. right. There would be no enforcement. I, it certainly seems to be a valid argument. I that wouldn't say that's cynical. I'd say that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, it's it, it just it was a blatant power grab, and it was just now tough luck, consumers. You're on your own. I'm just going to sit mm. here and wait until my term ends, and then go and be a lobbyist. So or, ultimately, know. this is something Congress could solve. Mm. Well, I think you're going to see because people- FCC can only do what Congress mandates. One way or the other. In other words, Congress trumps the well, FCC, if you'll forgive I think them. the FCC has a certain amount of autonomy to decide what it wants to do. It doesn't need to refer to Congress. But ultimately, its mandate comes from Congress. And Congress can instruct it... To act in a certain... Or change its mandate, way. obviously. Yeah. Or, and I think m we might all agree that Title II was an imperfect solution yeah. mm. to this. If Congress were to create uh, a, 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 a sensible net neutrality plan... But I, I think, think that ultimately it would, be, it would be considered radical, the plan that you're no, prescribing. No, I think ultimately the only way you're going to solve this issue is that the government would have to take control of the That's cable radical. of the infrastructure. That's radical. And then say, we own the physical infrastructure in the ground. Well, however they do that, obviously, Eminent that would domain. be, <laughs> that yeah. would be, would be really controversial. It would just, I, I think it's a non-starter. Uh, yeah, I think the right too, wing would yeah. go bananas on oh. that, right? But, the, but then you can build a competitive capitalist market yes. over the top oh. where AT&T and the government Verizon just says, oh, we're going to lay down fibre backbones, they're completely open. And, you know, this is what's happened in Finland. This is what's happened in North in North Korea. <clears throat> why did South more fibre when plenty exists underground? It just happens to be owned by Sprint, AT&T, Well, this is, this is the problem you run into. But, I mean, take it. if the government's... Well, which will never happen. Which, I was going to say, <laughs> which, I don't America, care if it's a Democrat or a Republican See, in office. I, and the thing it is, will never happen. And the no. thing is, if I'm AT&T and Verizon That's and I've socialist. got all that cabling in the ground, what's my incentive to light it up? Right. Yeah. I have no well, incentive. Scarcity is good for them. Exactly, yeah. because they can charge more for less. Yeah. yeah. Right? They don't even have to go. So it, the thing that's so happened. We, I consistently, think we can say we know this is in society's best interest. A, yeah. a free and open internet promotes innovation, promotes commerce, much the yeah. same way an interstate highway system promotes. Uh, and if you keep commerce. the cost low, it allows the profits to be transferred into the company. You have a better educated yeah. electorate. Yes. You have better now, flow of Now, if you are AT&T and Verizon, you're looking at Facebook and Google, these, you know, Trillion dollar, multi, you know, multi, multi billion dollar. They're very. They feel that they should be getting money out of those businesses right. because they're using a product that right. they created, using but they're not highway. monetizing. Right. right. But the flip side of that is that when you get a toll road, you don't get to charge according to, you know, that you don't get it. You, well, you could charge by axles. You can charge by... Yeah, you can charge by size and make the case yeah. that you're doing some sort of... Right. But you're not giving a better quality of service to no. one over the other, except... Yeah. So I ultimately think that at some point there has to be a community interest here and that mm. seems to have been abrogated by Completely. the government generally. Completely. And it can be done because it's mm. technical and the community hasn't really stood but up. But the thing that really care. irks is 
the monopoly, the mandate that is effectively a government-issued monopoly. Back in 1907 or whatever. Started back in, yeah, yeah. in that sort of time frame. But even today, that is a government-issued monopoly. Right. Yeah. So we're screwed. Pretty much. It's not much better in mm-hmm. Australia, frankly. Uh, well, no, the, in Australia, the cabling is owned by a, a an entity, a Quango, semi-government entity, and then all the carriers get to rent that cable. Yeah. So you have multiple different and service yet, providers. Telstra's remain costs are not particularly good in Australia. That's because of the size. So you've got to remember that Australia ah, physically is the same well, we size. We have a similar problem. We have a very distributed population. Yeah. No, so Australia is the same level is just... <laughs> oh, I understand. In terms you of square kilometres... Did you guys watch the, the railroad train video? What was that called? Where you go on the long train ride? Yeah. It was just like 18 hours of just you're on the... You watched that? Was it cool? <laughs> You'd have to speed it up a bit. Have you seen this? this? Yes. I, I lived there. Yeah. <laughs> it's very soothing, I imagine. Uh, it's very hot and it's unpleasant and it's like... Slow TV, they're calling it. Full of interest. I know there's lots of them, though. There's there's the cruise liner and... Yeah, the, there's Norwegian trains as well. There's there. people who rode through what? the snow in Antarctica and they So forget that neutrality, folks. We've got slow TV. Excellent. Just smile as you go under. Smile. Yeah, I've just found a... a, a I, th- I honestly think this is an intractable problem. I don't know how you solve this in the US. You know, I... I it literally, but it dates back so far, mm. and it's so entrenched. Well, like legally, the position of these telcos is a government-mandated monopoly. They're locked in, and, and it's and it's, they've been exploiting the monopoly position in Parliament. So you're, they're actually short-circuiting your government, your democracy, in a very, very real way. Clear, clear way, yeah. Mm. And I think we're stuck with it for the billions we've given the telcos to develop fiber around around the US. The U.S. government could have said, right, eminent debate, we're building large fiber line there, offshoots there, there, and there. It can't there. be done locally. It can't be done by states, though. It <clears> must <throat> be done by the federal government because it's a, it's an, it's a national yeah. Yeah. network. Well, you can't just have – I guess you could do it in California alone. The challenge, I think the real problem here is that if you commercialize the internet, there's going to be a haves and haves not. Mm. And we're going to see people who live in rural areas where it's not cost-effective to build that internet suffer very badly – or if you're in a poor area, you'll have worse bandwidth. And that actually doubles down on But this uh, is what's, what, what's, what's driving this spur into municipal networks because, you know, Tennessee had a lousy you know, broadband infrastructure <clears throat> and the telcos was basically, we'll get round to it. People, the, the classic thing was people aren't demanding it. And then when the municipal said, right, okay, we're going to build, I think it's Chattanooga, said we're going to build our own ISP and it runs cheaper, it runs faster, and the telcos are deeply worried about that. Because if people start doing their, you know, they don't have to ban the telcos or nationalise their stuff. You just got to do it better. And once it becomes clear that governments are doing, local governments are doing this better than the telcos mm. that are supposed to provide the industry, then you know that's kind of game over for the telcos argument that you yeah. know, we are always the best at this. Well, John Deere, interestingly, has popped up as an advocate for net neutrality because they need to see bandwidth on the farms oh, so that they can automate the tractors. Right. Yeah. Right? We're talking about automated. That's crops. the point. Is this is good for business? It's good for everyone. Everybody's business except the telcos. It's also good for consumers generally mm, because we yeah. can start look at health, you know, Absolutely. telemedicine type. Yeah, but the you know, people it's bad for are the telcos. Right. Who have just and lost. who controls this? The telcos. Yeah. Who has all the money? <laughs> how, could we, how could we change that? Yeah. How could we, what could we do? What, what could we, this might be one of the most important issues of our generation. What could we do to change that? So what you could do is transfer the cable ownership into the public domain. So create a company like what Openreach. That's socialism. Yeah. No, it's it's still a private company, 
but it's owned 50% owned by the government, 50% owned by the public sort of thing, yeah. right? So the government has control, but it's sort of a ha- at arm's length, mm. but it's held in uh, it, uh, for the people, by the people sort of thing. And then what you do is you give AT&T and Verizon the right to use that for 50 years, say. Give them a 50-year license to use it free of charge. I'd love to see some sort of compromise work. Yeah. Mm. Where the telcos would need to see that the... The alternative is is death. Yes, that they that you either accept this as your future or mm. you will not be in business. And I, I had hoped that five G would give us a way out. Yeah, but it seems because clear. They, 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 they locked that down really early yeah. on. And yeah, it was, so five G technology was last headed. Last time in, you were here, we were you were yep. very bullish on five G. Yes, it's going to take a while to get out there. The telcos are literally sitting on it now to yeah. make mm. sure it fits their model so that it doesn't get out of control from mm. them. Um, I pasted a link into the chat room about this agricultural thing where uh, different things are happening, but those people really, really need lots of access to data because if you're flying drones over the crops looking for the yeah, right place and then right. you're going to administer, you know, uh, fertilizers and pesticides according to what, you know, they're talking per tree in a fruit tree. You're talking about specifically treating each tree as a unique element wow. instead of by the acre. And you need data transfers. And these people have vast cloud computing platforms with artificial intelligence and machine learning, blah, 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 cloud words, buzzwords, all that sort of stuff. And they need bandwidth. And without yeah. that, farming isn't going to have a renaissance. You actually read Precision Ag? Advancing no, I just the global searched up digital net neutrality agriculture. And, okay. and agriculture. <laughs> and agriculture. <laughs> but this article is in the general tone. There was a, an article specifically around John Deere, Interesting. And uh, they made a representation to the FCC about they want... Well, maybe there's hope if if enough different stakeholders besides the telcos get involved and say, look, it's important to us too. I think it's going to come down to when people realize it's bad for the country and bad for... It is. Then perhaps... Good for the telcos, bad for the country. But it'll be slow and it needs to be a wave of protest effectively. I think you're going to see a lot more politicians running on a pro or anti-net neutrality stance. Oh, that'd be very interesting. And, oh. I mean, I'm not going to, it's not going to be the key part of that campaign, but it is going to be a part in the way that it wasn't 10 years ago. Well, you are, who are listening, have a vote. Yep. Use it. For what it's worth, yeah. get in there. And These guys can vote, but only, you can. <laughs> and it's only a US issue. Yeah. It's the, no this one else is the, the only place who's this. got this problem. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yes. It was I, a I just wanted to, that's something that a lot of people don't realize. It's it is not a, a problem a anyway. US issue. <laughs> Occupy yeah. Fiber says one reason. <laughs> Occupy Fiber. Right on. All right, let's take a little break. Lots more to talk about. We haven't even gotten to Intel. <laughs> Linus Torvalds. Uh, there's a battle brewing there. I don't, we could go for hours, but uh, uh, we got to take a break. <laughs> We've got to take a break because, uh, well, we just have to. Our show today brought to you by uh, 23andMe. I am a fan. So much so, I did 23andMe, it must have been when they first started. It was started by, uh, um, I want to say Ann Wojcicki, Susan Wojcicki or Ann. Was Ann? Her sister Susan runs YouTube. Ann was married to Larry Page, right? Or Sergey Brin. I can, it's all confusing. Her mom, their mom, Esther Wojcicki, rented the garage to Ser- Sergey and Larry to start Googling. Oh, sweet. And they all met there. And Anne, who is brilliant and a microbiologist, uh, is an entrepreneurial person. She started this company, 23andMe. The whole idea was uh, inexpensive genetic testing. Hmm. They figured out a way to, 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 you don't have to draw blood. You don't have to go to a doctor. You, can, you literally spit into a little plastic vial. It's not very big. Take you a second. You send it into them. And then based on your 23 unique pairs of chromosomes... 
they can tell you so much about yourself. It's really, you know, it's so great because it's really all about you. It's always finally something all about you. Your genes, your genetics, your your health and the ancestry. So you find out where your people came from. Find out how much Neanderthal you have. You can find out uh, who relatives online. You can find out if you're lactose intolerant or if your genes say you should be or your genetic weight. Oddly enough, according to 23andMe, I should be underweight. I'm not living up to my potential here. But actually, <laughs> what is really important is you can also... Learn, read these genes and learn what you perhaps should do, make better lifestyle choices based on your wellness. I mean, this is great stuff. Fun, informative, and it's a great thing. I gave it uh, for Christmas to my mom and my sister. I got to give it to my dad, my kids, because when the, my sister texted me, she said, I got my results back. And we shared our results back and forth. And it's fascinating. It is really, really great. 23andMe's Health Plus Ancestry Kit tells you everything you need to know, more than 75 online reports. And what I really like about it is they add more all the time. So in 2010, it was only in 2010 that a long-brewing controversy in genetics was solved. People, many, many scientists believed it, that, we, that Homo sapiens never interbred with Neanderthals, right? Mm -hmm. That we killed them off, but there, was, there were different species, there was no interbreeding. Then they found some Neanderthal genetic material, analyzed it, and whoa! They did interbreed. And mm. as a result, a few years later, 23andMe started giving you a report on how much Neanderthal you have in you. I have 4%. <laughs> I have 4%. Ten, 10 years ago, no one even knew this. Yeah. Like, this is, like, amazing. So this is and an example of that. It, and people who've done it in our office, the highest Neanderthal guy gets reminded about that a lot. <laughs> no. I, am, I am actually lower than 68% of other 23andMe. Yeah, he's in the top 99%. <laughs> is he a little hairy? Is he a little got beetle brow? Is there something going on that looks uh, a little no, is he strong? Is he handsome? Quite, quite the opposite of what you would look at, expect a Neanderthal. It's actually like. turning out that the Neanderthal genes that we carry were very important to survival of Homo <laughs> sapiens. Thank goodness we yeah. interbred. There is more Neanderthal genetic material out there now than when the Neanderthals were still walking the earth. Mm. Because there weren't that many there Neanderthals. Yeah. yeah, there yeah. are a lot more people. There's a lot more people than there are. 2323andme.com slash twit. They've actually got a deal, $30 off each Health Plus Ancestry kit, but it's only through the end of the month, January 31st. So now is the time. 23andme.com slash twit. Honestly... If you've at all any interest in this, do it. And if your kids are studying genetics, what a great way to get them into it. They read the studies and they learn. You can even download the raw data and, and find out all sorts of stuff. Search for other markers. It's I just love it. 23andme.com slash twit. Wow, I don't know where to... Uh... Stripe is ending support for Bitcoin payments this spring. What a surprise. <laughs> Have we found a use for uh, even Bitcoin some, yet? Even some, I was reading a report, even some drug dealers are now abandoning the use oh, of Oh, man, Bitcoin. I can't tell. It's, it's, it's the I, transmission. The yeah. transaction time's like two days or something, yeah. and yeah. 20 bucks, I no way I'm taking Bitcoin. Yeah. Even some <laughs> drug dealers. That's the final indictment. Yeah. <laughs> even some drug dealers. Are when no the longer. drug dealers are refusing your currency, it's you know dead. you're in. <laughs> it's dead. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, oh, the Intel. I'm sure you have something to say about this, Greg. What do you tell your clients about the Intel Spectre meltdown issue. The most recent news is Intel saying, oh, whoops, <laughs> our microcode fix, which you'll be getting via a firmware update on many computers, 
results in a, quote, higher than expected reboots and other unpredictable system behavior. They're pulling it back. There's no way out of this that looks good. It's terrible. It's terrible, right? Now, keep in mind here, the thing is that Intel and and a group of people knew about this for more than a year before it went public. You know what? Steve Gibson found a paper in yep. 1994. Yep. Oh, the NSA paper. That said speculative execution it could lead to leakage of information. Yep. They this is last year. Yeah. They knew about it 23 <laughs> years ago. Except nobody read the paper perhaps, but yeah. I mean the thing is that the bug was actually disclosed to the uh, Chinese over, government over two, yeah, over a year ago Before and us. Yeah. and the, and they still don't have a fix. No. So, so that, there's that, right? Well, the there may not be is, a good fix. Is that conceivable? That there's actually that no, and it, short of disabling short, speculative execution, which would be a horrific slow. Well, everything, uh, basically, all of the advances in C. I mean, Ian knows. You much go more back about to you go back to 1995. Yeah, basically, that's when you rip up Moore's law from there on. Oh yeah. My um, God. So it is a huge problem. I think. I think at a, at, a, at a higher level, I think there's a few things going on. One is they had over a year to find a fix for this, mm. and nobody. Nothing. Somebody's fumbled. Like Intel, obviously, has fumbled the fix. Is it conceivable that there isn't a fix? I think there's something they can do. I think some people have patched it. Like AWS seems to have put down patches into its systems. Yeah. I to- mean, it's it's. I think it's doable. Um, I think what you got here was, you know, this is why Google's Project Zero was set up. You give companies a limited amount of time to sort right. this out. They sat on this for over a year. When we broke the story on the reg, then there were people accusing us, how dare you do this? You know, there isn't a fix available. You're making everyone more unsafe. You, know, you want to know what unsafe is when no one knows there's a problem and they can just yep. sit on it. And clearly it is unsafe because there was four separate research groups who discovered yeah. it simul- effectively. Yeah. Coherently within within a couple of weeks of each now, other. Now, so if there's not a hacker crew out there that's also found it, I'd be very, very surprised. Also, we told the Chinese government it's there. Yeah. You might as well have just said, here's our backside. Please kick it very yeah, hard, yeah. you know. Um, it, yeah. And then the exploits are out there. So yeah. there are... There oh, are, there are. Now, yes. this is news. So, no, it's been out ever since the day it was released. Well, People the, have been the, showing... the proof of concept. Yeah. Mm. But there aren't any exploits in the wild. Yes. Oh, there yes. are. Yeah, yeah. But we're not hearing about them. Mm. They're being suppressed. Uh, I think people are taking the taking a, a line of keeping the, it quiet. Yeah, I mean the traditional. Because this is news to me. We've been yeah. saying all along. Well, no, I mean, at least there's no exploits out there. There, there are. are. There are. Yeah, I mean, responsible disclosure generally means you don't tell anyone about the exploit until there's a patch of well, until there's a patch available patch to fix it, and they still haven't got the patch. And you're right, that year long delay. It's difficult to see how Intel could have sat on their hands for that long and not done a thing about it. I think you're right. They've been do, they've been working at it, but they haven't found a way to patch it, which doesn't cause a significant process ahead. Well, and I think but we also weirdly seen... enough, the patch they apparently rushed out mm. causes reboots. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like they've been thinking about this for well, a year, I, or they I think would have we're known also that. Seeing the the weakness in the supply chain here. So keep in mind, Intel makes CPUs and then hands it, and then reference architectures and then hands it over to companies to glue the boards together mm. and then they get badged. so it's HP the same Dell has. there's yes. too many people in the, the process the supply chain's too yeah. long yeah. and unstable yeah. so if intel is, issues a patch today then it has to go off to HP HP right. has to bag it up and put it into you know and ship it for a desktop blah 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 like um, and that's the weakness. The weakness is in this supply chain. So it's not only Intel we should be blaming here at part. It should also be the Windows hardware makers who sort of shove the box out you the bet. door and say, I don't want to see you again because that yep. costs me money. I want to point the finger at them. Intel mm-hmm. should... You Although know. if you're using a Lenovo or a Dell mm-hmm. or an HP, those companies, 
those big companies yes. are pushing out patches. Apple has Apple's been very pushed quick. out a patch. It doesn't seem to be causing. I haven't seen anybody mm. complaining. No performance that, it seems okay. See, well, it's yes, it seems okay, but we haven't seen people saying that OS X is now unstable. Nope, no, no reboots. No reboots. Yeah. So it is possible to patch this, or it would appear to be possible to patch this, but some people are fumbling the patches. Is it HPE and Dell and Cisco? But here it's Intel saying, well, we don't. Yeah. It's our problem. So I'm. Well, it is their problem. Everything's their problem for doing speculative <laughs> execution. Intel has pulled back the patches that it was yeah. offering. Yeah. So I would like to know if Intel's just taking the blame for this because it's customers, the big makers, the computer ah. makers, are saying, this is your fault, you've got to cop it. Interesting. And we won't sue you. You're a big on conspiracy theories about this thing. No, I've I just... have never heard anybody say that there are exploits in the wild. You yeah, s- no, definitely. There have to be. Have to be. Because the proof of concept we code is out there. We just haven't heard about there. it. Yeah. Yep. We've so, seen the proof of concept code, and it's not... Also, if, if the hackers are smart about it, they'll keep it so yeah, down and low. And frankly, it's most likely that it's targeted attacks that these yeah. would be most useful Yeah, they'd for. be spearing. It, w- it would be spear phishing, and D- it would be coming maybe from three-level agencies. I would agencies. say hello to you know, yeah. DID, GCHQ, yeah. NSA. Yeah. They would just they be would like... Uh, yeah. on, d- they would They probably had this for years, frankly. They, well, it's possible they have an exploit using this. It's bike. almost certain they would have had it for... In fact, I pretty much guarantee that they've had it for a year. Um, yes, they would have known about it very they're, early. They're, you know, if, if Intel comes to the government and says, look, we sold all mm. these chips, one small problem with them, you know, and, and then... The thing, from a business point of view, though, there's a really interesting thing here. This time, Intel's had a couple of bad spells where it's fumbled badly in the past, but it's managed to get away with it because its competitors weren't very strong. And what's different this time is we've seen AMD come out with a quite a good processor, the Ryzen is it, and the Threadripper and so forth, mm-hmm. that's been very positively reviewed. Intel's been able to beat AMD by being a very aggressive, if somewhat unscrupulous, supplier of equipment, basically going to the makers and making it very difficult for them to buy AMD. But we are also seeing the arrival of ARM in the data center, right? That's a terrifying thought for Intel. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's the only part of their that's x86 the business bastion. that's growing. Yeah. Right? yeah. Now, I would think it unusual if the cloud companies were to walk away from x86. They just have such a phenomenal commitment to that platform mm. and that yeah, software. Yeah, but if you're a cloud on. provider at this point, you're really wondering what You're really looking done? at ARM, you know, yeah. the 64 cores or the 128 but cores. But now problem too. Yeah, but you can ter- terminate the speculative conditioning and just thread it out onto the cores. Because there's so many cores in there, you don't need speculative ah. execution to get performance. Ah. So if all of a sudden you're looking at a 6428 256-cord ARM that's clocking faster, like bigger, and, mm-hmm. and the thing about Intel is that they clock their processors at multiple high levels of gigahertz right. so they get the straight line, the drag racing performance. Right. Then all of a sudden you can just start threading out. You don't need speculative execution. You just say this one, go this one, this one. This one. Does that make sense? Yep. So ARM's well-positioned. It had and, more headroom. And it could survive turning off speculative ex- execution. It force, it's for complex. Some, let's not for, oversimplify for what cloud is a cloud services, yeah. perhaps. Let's not oversimplify what is a complex yeah. discussion. But we're also seeing things like ARM has SoftBank behind it. Mm. So it has money to throw at this problem that it never did before. So SoftBank bought ARM a few months ago. So they can now go out there and actually say, right, we're going to make a major push here. And leverage off this, and AMD has a far, has a good yeah. processor. So Intel actually is is needs to do something about this so that it gets in front of it. I've and, got a. Um, yeah. I was going to say I've got a nasty feeling they're going to do exactly what they did when they got caught out by the Optron, mm. and they're going to use their large war chest and their market position to say, 
Fine, you want to go to these other manufacturers? That's entirely your decision. Oh, those marketing funds, yeah, forget about those. And, yeah. and the discounts you're getting on the next process, yeah, those are they gone. They have huge leverage with yeah. OEMs. And they've done it before and they'll do but it again. But not with they've cloud companies. They've gotten in trouble with uh, the EU. Oh, that's true. They... But not cloud companies. Ah. Remember, the enterprise They're building IT their own. is no longer the dog that wags that tail. Is that because mm. of things like uh, Facebook's uh, network solution where they you build your own, essentially? Yeah. You, don't, OPM you don't go to an OEM? Or why don't they... Why aren't the OEM... I mean, aren't they buying from OEMs? Yes, they're buying directly from the manufacturer in China who's typically manufacturing to their specific... But Intel's marketing money is no good to those people. No. So they don't care. So well, yeah. no, they do use Intel. Intel spends a lot of money. Intel spends over a billion dollars a year contributing to the Linux kernel wow. to make sure that it's optimized wow. for yeah. the x86 CPU. So ARM needs to step up and start. Should x86 die? Probably not. It just needs to work. Like yeah. it should work. <laughs> should x86 I mean, work? It's had yes. a great run. It's got to be said. But whether or not there's something better along the line, the problem is the install base is so huge that we, you know, actually going shifting to an entirely new technology is going to be a very long process. Yeah. And that's the, the cloud companies are capable, so yes. they can start to say, over here is a group of serv and run services on ARMS. Mm -hmm. So, for example, instead of saying, up until now, we've always had VMs running on x86 servers like, right. you know, the ESX hypervisor or KVMs. Well, over here, you might want to run a distributed database. And, you know, there you are running the distributed database and that happens to be running on ARMS, yeah. you know, or your object storage. So there's no reason why the cloud companies can't actually take in the ARM Processes mm. for specific functions. You know, you, you each know one cure for all this <laughs> Vegemite. <laughs> marmite. You're drinking Marmite. So I'm drinking Marmite. Sorry, I eating am. Marmite. I am yes. drinking Marmite. You are, you are mainlining that stuff. I know. Sure. You're going to be like on fire for like hours and hours. <laughs> you watch it now. You know, it does something to you. <laughs> Before long, Leo, you'll be hanging outside the supermarket. Come on, just a pop, man. Really. I'm hurting. I'm hurting. <laughs> I feel I know it's I do. I, I'm, 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 I think I'm hooked. <laughs> Wow, so this has been such a great show. I just think we should just hire these guys and forget everybody else. <laughs> this is so much fun. I'm so glad to get the brains uh, of you two. Greg Farrow, Packet Pushers is his podcast network. You can catch up. Is it packetpushers.net? Packetpushers.net, yep. You can see he's got but a lot weird. to say. But we're weird. We Why talk about enterprise weird? IT technology on that, no, in weird. that channel. That's so. good stuff. Do you tweet on Ethereal Mind? Yes, I do. And maybe about stuff people would be interested in as opposed to... Enterprise? Well, I do have a lot of snark on my Twitter feed. It must be said that uh, I do let my inner my inner opinions run wild. I have the kings of snark <laughs> in the room with me. The Snark Brothers. Because that's, of course, Ian Thompson's middle name. Uh, he is at the register.co.uk. I forgot you guys broke the Intel story. Yeah. And, you know, I got to give you credit because... At the beginning, we were saying, oh, surely the register's overstating the 5 to 30% performance hit. Surely mm. it's not as bad as that. In every respect, your story was accurate. We got, we, we got incredibly lucky in that um, when we broke it. We, first off, we, haven't, we didn't hear from Intel for five days after first contact yeah. about this. Uh, we broke the story, still didn't hear from them, but then we heard from other journalists and financial analysts that Intel was briefing on background that this was just being made up by some batty British blog and, you know, there's going to be no <laughs> performance. You've got a lot of there's this. There's going to be a yep. lot, no performance hit and they were then coming back to us like, well, listen, this is what they're saying. What's your evidence? And we're like, well, we've got this and this. But you were absolutely right. It was right. all very complicated and then Google, God bless them, came out with that report showing, yeah, mm. between about 5 and 30% and, you know, it was an enormous... You know, in the, some cases, it's actually an understatement. Yeah, mm. I mean, in for some loads and some particular pieces of software... It's just 
it's devastating. Yes. Yeah. It was 250% on the uh, Fortnite servers yeah. that mm. uh, EA so, like, Some runs. people's cloud bills are up by 30 to 50%. They're, so if you're they're, Amazon, they're cost. Yeah, they cost. Yeah. Well, Amazon's oh, patched, man. and they're now burning a lot more CPU, and they're being charged for it. So customers are pretty peeved. This I mean, I must. I do want to call that out. I mean, the register is somebody who employs technically competent journalists. Absolutely. Right? And compared to other media outlets, which sort of employ people who can type, um, <laughs> really, that's generous. That's <laughs> I've, I think I've seen the copy editing. Yeah. That some of them can't even type. Yeah, but I mean, this is where journalism by competent, trained, so important, savvy mm-hmm. people yeah. varies from from what we call mainstream media. Yep. A big right. victory for the register, yeah. and it's why everybody should continually check out the register. And, we and the great titles. Oh, well, thank I mean, you. the great titles. I mean, well, we're recruiting in the U.S., so if anyone's got oh, yeah. the skills, yep. Yeah. If we're looking for a software and a hardware but guy. You're on, on the uh, you're on the march. Yeah. Oh, yes, we're expanding the U.S. office. This is fun. You know? <laughs> that is, that like, is fantastic. Because a lot of – everyone in the industry is so highly press-trained. They can't handle sarcasm and swearing. It's just <laughs> – You need people it, who man. can say, bye-bye, Mr. Biker Guy drove my Chevy to the lefty, <laughs> but the Chevy was awry. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> you need somebody who can write that. Yeah. Thank you both for being here. Thanks. Thanks. Man, this was fun. I'm, I'm sincere. I just want to do this every week from now on. Uh, if we could only get you to come uh, come into the States. <laughs> Are you going back home? Uh, here for another week. I've got a, a list of meetings all week. I'm right. meeting with clients and uh, an audience, so people who listen to the show. Great. Getting my ear to the ground. More Great. gossip. Fair more gossip and stuff. So, yeah. Find those exploits. We want to hear about those. <laughs> yeah. We want to hear about those. Ian Thompson, thank you all for joining us. Thank you also, we must say, to the very quiet and orderly. Yeah. Folks yeah, from the time. Canberra, did I say that right? Canberra Grammar School. Canberra. In Canberra, Maine. Canberra. Canberra. B-R-U-H. Bra. Canberra. 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 Thank you for the Vegemite. <laughs> I, my, new, my new bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to all our audience. We had a great studio audience today. Thank you all for those of you watching at home. If you're watching uh, 3 p.m. Sunday, if you're around, that's Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern, 20, I think I'm drunk on Marmite. Is it possible? <laughs> 2300 UCC. It's the endorphins. Yeah. It's not I, drunk, it's endorphins. I was told to put it on like Nutella, which I have to say is very cruel. But <laughs> You guys are mean. <laughs> if you're around 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, 2300 UTC, please stop by and watch the show. YouTube, uh, Ustream. You know what? The easiest thing go to our website, twit.tv slash live, and you can choose your feed. That way, we even have an audio stream you can listen to live, so you can listen in the car or on the go. Uh, you could also, if you're going to do that, join us in the chat room, irc.twit.tv. A bunch of great people uh, in the chat room, and they always make it a lot of fun. If you can't watch uh, on live or be here live, by the way, if you'd like to, uh, groups, individuals, whatever, email tickets at twit.tv. We'll make sure we have a chair out for you. We love having that live studio audience. Uh, please, by all means, listen on demand. Go to twit.tv, our website. All of our shows are available in audio and video from the website. Or go to your favorite podcatcher like Pocket Casts or Overcast or Podcast from Apple or uh, you know Google Play and subscribe. That way you'll get your episode the minute it's out each and every week. Thank you so much for being here. And we will see you next time. Another Twit this is, is in the can. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. Yay. Yeah.